You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 322 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And uh, you know what? It's very appropriate that we are starting at 2022 with episode 322. That's a a thing that wasn't planned. I mean, to be fair, Uh, it's technically our fourth episode of 2022. (laughs) It is our first recorded episode of 2022. It's just going to be our fourth posted episode because our Mary Gen Xmas, I for already forgotten the entire title uh, with our history of cinema, um, uh, we, we got behind in posting because, you know, holidays and kids and lack of sleep and, you know, all the standard excuses that happen around the holidays. But, uh, but yeah, hey, we are starting out the new year by screaming in the new year. And I'm excited. Are you excited, Nathan? Yes, I really I- am. I, I'm nervous now. I was I was excited until you started talking about the movie, and then I got nervous. I have no idea why, Eric. Uh, it, it just here's the thing. I spoiler alert love this movie uh, dearly, and I really don't want to have to debate it too much tonight. I want to just like lavish praise on it and love on it and hold it close to me, and not have to like fend it. From the, you know, the whatever it is that you're going to do to it. Look, anything that you are not able to easily easily defend why you love it or anything that does not survive some minor critiques uh, obviously isn't that good. So the simple fact that you are scared to defend it. Let's me know that you know that I'm at your I have core. Defenses, I just don't you, want to. You know at your core that I am right for the movie. <laughs> Not at all. No, you you know that I'm right. You just don't want to allow yourself to accept that. Absolutely not. You know what I do like about this series, though, is I do feel like it's a pretty it's fun that we're doing this immediately after talking about uh, Gen X movies, because this we're like going from Gen X as a whole straight into Gen X horror and yep. kind of like a pivotal film in Gen X horror that kind of like bridges the gap between Gen X and millennial horror. <laughs> which i think is kind of interesting i also just enjoy the scream in the new year pun that's a that's oh a yeah that was that was how i knew i got you because yeah. this was definitely my uh if we don't do this series i'm going to quit the podcast like <laughs> I, this was the Dude, hill that i was gonna die on and when i said me. let's do scream in the stop new year tempting i was me. like <laughs> do what i said stop tempting me <laughs> <laughs> tempting you with a pun no tempting me with with your quitting tempting me to quit yeah so that way you can you can do whatever you want without all of my roadblocks i mean i've i've got dan in the ready literally right here 
Did, That's did true. You, yeah, you've been grooming my replacement for almost a year now. <laughs> did you hear a Hellbender episode? That's a damn good episode. It's true. It is good. I, I did listen to that. I greatly enjoyed it. I was a little jealous. I didn't get to join you, but I was also very tired that night and, uh, you know, watching the movie. And <laughs> so I don't think I would have uh, contributed much to the conversation. I don't know. It would have been pretty great if you had been giving like a, uh, a live, um, a, a live recap as you were watching it. <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah. Where I'm just like interjecting like, Oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. Are you, you guys seeing this shit? like dance is like oh yeah you know when this thing happened you're like oh my god i just watched that yeah wait what yeah that that would have been uh terrible podcasting similar to what's happening right now where we're <laughs> spending time talking about an episode rather than talking about scream which is what we should be doing that's true nathan cut this out let's go no no i i do <laughs> think that we all no i was gonna say we all need to start by literally screaming in the new year but I just got the kids to bed and I do not want to fucking wake them up with a stupid We're going to scream. Quietly, so. quietly whimper in the new year. <laughs> that, that feels more accurate. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cry in the new year. That, that seems yeah. uh, probably the most accurate. Uh, yeah. So scream in the new year. Uh, Eric, we interrupted you. And by we, I mean me and you. Somehow you also interrupted yourself. Why? Why are we doing scream in the new year? Uh, well, one of the things that I'm always trying to advocate for on this podcast is t- to uh, try to come up with content that is relevant to something happening in uh, the popular cultural consciousness. Uh, so that way we could maybe, you know, kind of draft off of that and get some people to listen to our podcast. Psh, whatever, um, dude. One of our better episodes is Watership Down. So. Oh, I mean, that's fit. like, and don't don't get me wrong. I love jumping in and just doing random ass shit that based on like how we're feeling in the moment of course but at the same time it's also the kind of thing where it's like i don't know if you guys know this or not but there is a new scream movie coming out in like nine days um and i really wanted to go through and rewatch the entire series anyway and it's very difficult for me to rewatch things outside of this podcast (laughs) just due to like you know other things that i have to do in life uh, so I'm like, yeah, let's kill two birds with one stone and uh, I can rewatch the series and talk about it on the podcast because this is one of my favorite slasher franchises, which is kind of interesting because uh, the other three movies I've not really seen that much. But overall, I, I think this is a pretty high quality franchise and I think there's so much to dig into, especially since like, you know, we like to be very analytical about these things and these are very analytical films themselves uh so it just felt like a perfect thing and also nathan you and i have throughout the throughout the past couple of years for whatever reason or another like scream will just randomly kind of pop up throughout our discussions so Uh, frequently so frequently yeah for for whatever reason i don't know how it happens but um we often will have like tiny little back and forths about like the meta aspects of scream one versus scream three yep and how one of us thinks one works better than the other and Um, how one of us is right and so i thought that it's finally time to put this put this debate to rest and really dig into it and of course we're not actually going to put the debate to rest it's going to continue on in perpetuity but at the very least we could dig into it in a way that doesn't derail another podcast that we're doing (laughs) 
derail some other conversation we're supposed to be having i think that it's funny that you think that us spending what's going to be the equivalent of about nine hours of us talking about scream is going to be the end of us talking about scream when we should be talking about other movies god i'm so excited though (laughs) i'm so excited to talk about this yeah i okay so here's the thing that i'm the most excited about i have nine pages of notes that is insane i am the most excited about the series They're bullet points, but still. because i want us to debate scream three I, oh, that's the, I'm, I'm actually looking forward so to scream three because scream one. three is a movie that again spoiler alert, i actually kind of fucking hate like i think it's bad in an offensive kind of way uh and maybe my, my, my maybe i'll change my mind when i rewatch it i don't know um but it's one that i am looking forward to not because i want to shit on it but because i'm really interested to hear another perspective on that film we we will Uh, get to this when we get to scream three uh it's not a good movie i have more fun with it because it is the worser movie and so like i have much more expectations so i'm able to be like yeah it's trash but this thing's done kind of well just the most Nathan thing that's ever happened. Dan, how do you feel about all this? I feel like we're just, you're just here to watch the show. Aren't you? You're just, you're he just really back. You're like, Oh yeah. I, I've got points to interject, but I'm, I am so anxiously awaiting the, you're fucking insane. Like, <laughs> going back and forth. Yeah. Dan's not there even can... like taking notes on the movie. He's just taking notes on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's all going to be for a paper, man. <laughs> there have been, there have been a few different times where Nathan, you have kind of like given me a few like little thoughts that you have while watching the movie where I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to even like wrap my head around what to say to you about it without like, I don't want to come across as an asshole because obviously your opinion is valid and all that. But at the same time, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like what? It's okay. We'll get into it. Okay. So, I love you, Nathan. I want you to know up front in case in case things get rough between us that <laughs> I love you and I appreciate you. Oh, no, I, I am less concerned about that with this one. So here's the thing about uh, Scream and uh, for our listeners who maybe have not been following us for a while, maybe a little backstory on uh, some of Eric's trepidation with us discussing a movie that he <laughs> adores that I have seen. Um, we've had a number of of episodes where there will be a movie that is extremely beloved and eric is on the side of like yes this movie is utterly amazing and i'm the defender of the canon and i am on the side of it's overrated and not that good i'm able to recognize the qualities but certain things about various movies just don't they, they don't affect me the same way that they have affected other people and so much of that i think does uh you know come from our just our background and you know like how we approach movies you know I, i've said this more times than i can count on the podcast my background is psychology and so for me like i get very invested not just in the story but in the people and if i am not invested in the people or if there is too much internal inconsistencies, it starts taking me out of the movie. Except for when the movie is kind of trashy or like trying to be good, but is just terrible. And then I don't care. 
like I will defend Blood Rage or Pieces or uh, the Zodiac Killer or any other, you know, quote unquote trash movie till just the ends of time. But then these other movies that are held on pedestals, there's a reason that our prior information and expectations is it's such a huge component uh, of, of the podcast. You like to kick the pedestals out from under them. I like to bring balance to the force. I am very much a gray Jedi <laughs> in the world of you're, cinema. You're, you're very much a Slytherin. Let's be like you are. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm a Slytherin, but also a Hufflepuff. <laughs> sure. I, 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 so, took, I took the Pottermore test twice, and uh, those were the two houses that I got. And I'm I'm Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. I've gotten both of those before, so I don't know what that tells what that says about me. But um, I will say just just to summarize for anyone, for Nathan in particular, what I've learned is that if a movie is great, it would be better if it was worse. True is essentially how things work with Nathan most of the time. <laughs> but but it's so weird and we need to like get off of this topic and into the movie proper but like it's so weird because then there are other movies that are great that other people hate and i'm like no it's it's a great movie uh you know for example the shining you know you went back into the shining uh because you did not love it the first time and i was like sure maybe it's got some flaws but i mean come on man like this movie it's a great movie and there are tons of people who absolutely hate that movie. One of my very good friends, uh, who I, I very much respect his taste in movies, hates, fucking hates The Shining. And I understand why. And he's not wrong in his critique of it. We disagree on it, and, and that's fine. Uh, he's also the same person that, after I'd been hearing all of the hype of Mandy, told me it's going to be slow and boring, and it's not going to live up to the hype. And I was like, okay, thank you now i know exactly what to expect i still haven't gotten around to seeing mandy but because oh, of his recommend or not recommendation because of his take on it i have a much better expectation for mandy and i don't think that i'm going to be disappointed and i think that i'm going to love it because i'm going to know like okay this is what to really expect but here's mm-hmm. where to have fun with it i also I, have a problem i love- say i love mandy but the two times i've rewatched it i start at the hour mark Yep. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I loved the film. I don't, but I don't need to rewatch the first hour every time I watch it because yep. I'm there for what happens. Well, is it, that's a movie where the title card doesn't actually hit the screen until an hour in. Is Pretty much, yeah. It's like it's like 45 minutes into the movie that the word Mandy pops up on screen, which I which just I fucking love in general. <laughs> so okay. great, but, that's pretty great. Uh, uh, but yeah, so like there, there are some great movies that I do say, yes, they deserve their greatness. There are other movies like it follows that I understand. I mean, we were not getting out of this without mentioning it. And I, I respect the things that are done well and the things that are done well. And it follows are done. So fucking good. Like the, the, the cinematography and the music and the technical pieces of that film. Oh my God. Like they're, they're great. The emotional core of that movie and the internal logic of that movie are completely absent. It is like watching a cardboard cutout, not know where its ass is. Like it is, I I want to enjoy that movie, but the more that I rewatch it, the more I start leaning towards just I I hate that movie. That sucks. I want to enjoy it, but uh, I don't. Yep, and That's this brings bad. us to scream. 
So with Scream, <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to our prior information in just a second. <laughs> Let's go through uh, our the the official video monster review slash recommendation uh, before we start getting into all of our details. All right, so. Scream is an unquestionably iconic horror movie that brought the slasher genre into the modern era, at least modern for when it came out, but also continues to have a lasting impact. By both acknowledging and breaking the rules of horror movies and by being in a world that exists with real-world horror movies, the obvious clues and misdirection has you constantly feeling like you've got it all figured out, followed by immediately uh, second-guessing yourself. If you've somehow managed to have never seen Scream and are unaware of any of its cultural relevance or influence, you'll be on uh, be on edge throughout the film, expecting Ghostface to jump out at any moment. And if you've seen this movie more times than you can count, the subtle hints and clues throughout will deepen your appreciation of the movie with every subsequent reviewing. Scream gives you the sense that you've seen the movie a thousand times the first time that you've seen it, and you'll feel like it's the first time that you've seen it every time you rewatch it. Video Monsters absolutely recommends this highly rewatchable horror classic, and we love that this is the way that we're kicking off this year. So let this serve as your spoiler wall for the rest of this episode, because tonight we're going to be diving into details and major spoilers as we discuss uh, the meta and deconstruction of horror genre, especially slasher with uh, Easter eggs, direct references, and both breaking and adhering to horror tropes, sometimes cleverly, sometimes a bit more heavy handed. Uh, the cultural relevance of how Scream revitalized the, sh- the slasher genre the acting and the characters and how effective they are at drawing us into the story. And of course the analysis of the horror and the effectiveness of the scares. So from here on out spoilers, so many spoilers for a movie that is 28 years old. Is that right? 24, 26, 25, 25 just celebrated its 25th anniversary. Okay. So 25 years old. Uh, th- this movie could be breaking into politics at this point right isn't that the age where you can start doing political stuff 25 or is it in your 30s 35 is president i know yeah i don't know about senate and that and house and all that i'm guessing younger because matt Matt jack hole from north carolina is like 25 (laughs) or something (laughs) so yeah uh scream at this point could potentially be running at least for local government um i would vote i'd vote Oh, I yeah, would. I'd vote for Ghost, Ghostface over most most people. That's not wrong, but also so wrong. Uh, yeah. So spoilers <laughs> for a movie that is a quarter century year old. Uh, we're going to be diving into this. We're going to be spoiling it. We're probably going to be spoiling it like right out the gate. But uh, but yeah, if you've seen Scream and want to dive into our dissection with us, then th- then come join us as we spill our guts all over this movie. So here's the thing with scream for me. The first time Uh that I saw it, actually, let me take a step back. I love horror movies. I just adore horror. There's so much about them that just, God, there's so much for me to discuss and dissect and, and analyze. And like, it really gets my psychology brain working. And it's like, I love horror so much. I also did not grow up on horror movies. You know, not only because like my parents wouldn't let me watch it, but like I was also the scared kid, like watching X-Files. I watched between my fingers like I, I got scared at things. And so as much as I love horror, I did not grow up watching it. 
that has had an impact on the way that I view classic horror movies with a more modern lens. I think that I saw Scream in the theater. It might not have been first run. It might have been uh, it might have been like as Scream was going out of the, the main theaters and into like the dollar store theater uh, type of thing. Not dollar store, but the uh, dollar <laughs> theaters. <laughs> Just in the back of the dollar store, they're like, hey, kid, you want to go watch a scary movie? <laughs> Nowadays, I would probably say, all right. Uh, yeah, back, back when dollar theaters were a thing, I think that that's where I saw Scream for the first time. And so it might not have been like when it immediately came out, but it was around that time. And I don't remember how I felt about it. I, I want to say that I liked it, I, but I don't know. I, I cannot remember how I felt about it the first time. But I do remember that I hadn't seen enough horror to like fully latch onto it as like, oh my God, this movie is an important movie and it's like breaking all of the history of modern horror and like it's revitalizing, revitalizing the slasher genre. I, I didn't have that context. For me, it was just... A horror movie it was another in the mid 90s horror movies of like urban legends and i know what you did last summer and just all of those movies that were coming out that is where scream had its place for me when i initially saw it and i like i, I understood why it was important maybe question mark i don't know it was too long ago for me sure. to really remember but what i do know is every time that i've viewed it since then especially you know in the last 10 or 12 years like all of the talk of like oh my god it's like the greatest horror movie ever it is like the top of the the list of so many of my horror friends and and it's just you know like the the paragon of like yes this is what modern horror needs to be even 25 years later and all this other stuff and watching it i'm like it's fine i don't love it i i want to love it. i want to love scream as much as everyone else does but for me it was just like it's it's all right i don't like skeet ulrich i, I don't i just I don't, I don't i don't love him and we're gonna get in we are going to get into things in a minute about why very specifically his character is just the worst and not just because he kills people but he is He's supposed to be the worst he is the worst. Um, but I just, I, don't, I didn't love Scream. It was just mm. another mid-90s slasher movie, and it was fine. And I keep hearing people talk about, like, this is why it's so amazing. This is why it's perfect. Like, you know, I, I was looking on Letterboxd, and, like, all of my friends have given it five-star reviews. And, and I don't disagree with anything that they've said. And I want to be there. It is very, very difficult to overcome that initial impression because every time that I'm watching it, I, I want to get past some of it. I, and my, like maybe each time it gets a little bit further along, but I, it still hasn't broken into the like, oh, yes, I get it. This movie is perfect and amazing. It's like it's it's fine. In, in it fact, sounds like you're, you're telling us that we need to like pull the Ludovico technique on you and just like strap you <laughs> no. down like Malcolm McDowell and the clockwork orange and make you watch it on repeat. No, yeah, I think something is fundamentally broken in you. That <laughs> might very, very well be true. Like we need to re we need to reset you to factory settings. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, 
that might be fine. We will get into some of the details on some of this in just a minute. Uh, The last thing that I want to say on the prior information before uh, before I get um, both of y'all's and we start, you know, again, diving into things. This time I watched it a little bit more as I, I watched it a little bit more as taking itself less seriously. Because I think that that's one of the things that bugs me. And, and again, I'll, we'll get to that in, in just a minute once, once we start diving into uh, some of those main points that, uh, that I've listed. But I, I love horror movies that are commentary on horror. Like uh, Behind the Mask. I adore that movie. That, that movie is so fucking good. And I love it so much. Cabin in the Woods. I wonder where they got so many of their ideas. I know. (laughs) Cabin in the Woods is a great horror movie playing on the horror genre. Like, there's so many movies that have come out after Scream that definitely were influenced by Scream, but the way that it's done is either a bit more tongue-in-cheek or a bit more, like, overly referential, or I don't know. There's something about it that fits in a little bit more with my sensibilities. Scream is taking itself seriously as it should, but for me, some of that doesn't quite work. We'll get into that soon. I just, I, I want to love it. I really do. Not like it I follows. You're just not trying hard enough. Nathan. No, I'm, I'm trying. It follows. I don't want to love anymore. It follows. It's just like, I, I will accept the great I mean, Scream's a better movie it. than It Follows. I want to oh, it's, it is out. such a better movie. Um, there, there's no question it about that. It Follows. It I Follows. That movie. But. <sighs> I anyway. love the technical things about it. I have oh my God, stopped. We're not talking about It Follows anymore. I've, we gotta move I've stopped. But, but it's relevant because I've stopped trying to love It Follows. It's just, uh-huh. nope. The, the things that work are great. The things that don't work, you're not going to convince me that they work because they just fucking don't work for me. With Scream, it, it is too bad. But with Scream, I want to love it. I really, really want to love Scream. I want you to love it too, Nathan. I, I want to. I don't. But I want to. I, point, I, don't, want, to. I don't want you to. I don't think you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve Scream's love. <laughs> oh, man. man I love I, Actually, I like this that Dan is coming in as the more combative one. I'm like trying to bite my tongue here. And Dan's like, no, fuck this. <laughs> get out. <laughs> when I get into the details of why some of the stuff doesn't quite work for me, they are things that I do not expect other people to be on board with. Like, it's not something that I expect either of you to say, you know what? You're right. This movie is not perfect. I, I fully expect the response from both of you to be, but who cares? Like, I expect that to be the response on so many of my critiques because they don't matter. And I, I want to get that out uh, on the front end too, because uh, that quick review, like I mean every word of that, this is an iconic movie. And the more that I watch it, the more it does feel like the first time that I've seen it, but also the first time that I saw it, it felt like I had seen it before because of the way that it plays with horror tropes. And like, it's well, because it's been imitated. So often and it's been too. imitated like, so often and it's been parodied and it brought about the death of parody movies because of scary movie. <laughs> Scream is a great movie that I want to love that needs to be seen by anyone who enjoys even one horror movie. You need to see scream. 
Mm -hmm. There are issues why it does not fully click for me in a way that even though Scream 3 is a much, 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 much worse movie has an internal logic that I'm able to say, okay, and and I can enjoy it despite despite its many, many more shortcomings. That's another thing, just a, a quick aside. It's another thing I'm really curious to see. I've never watched these movies in succession before. Like I've never, like it, there's always been like years in between my experience of watching them. I've never watched all four of them back to back before. And I'm really curious to see how differently they play when you watch them in succession, because it does feel like with each iteration of the movie, it does lean a little bit more into the kind of satire satirical elements a lot more and like the comedy stuff. And I think that the fir- this first movie strikes the balance so well that I'm curious to see if that if I if I feel like it's balancing that as that out as well on a rewatch with the sequels. It so. it doesn't. So two two last really, things, two yeah. last things about my prior before uh, before both of you. Scream three feels more like it actually is becoming a self parody at that point to me. Like it felt yes. that way when I watched it before, and now I feel like it'll maybe even feel more that way. Oh, a- absolutely. You're not wrong. So uh, two last things uh, before either of your prior informations, the um, your comment of you think that scream strikes the balance the best. I think that scream tries the hardest to strike the balance. Sometimes it gets it right. And the things that it gets right are done. Great. Other times I feel like it's trying too hard and it doesn't quite work for me. Not for, mm-hmm. ever, not for others, not for everyone else. Okay. I get why for everyone else it does work. But for me, it's like, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. Ah, nope, nope. You shouldn't have done that one. Nope. A little too far on that. Oh, hey, you're coming back around again. You're doing it great. You're doing it great. Oh, no, that was a dumb decision. The other okay. thing, um, and this is relevant in terms of how these movies play next to each other. The last time that I watched it was probably about three or four years ago. When I literally binged all, well, I say all of them. I binged the first three. So I watched Scream, Scream 2, and Scream 3, literally one after the other. Like, didn't watch the credits. It was Scream is over, on to Scream 2. So, uh, yeah, watching them in that rapid of a, of a succession. <clears throat> spoilers for what I thought then. And kind of what is what I'm having to overcome in rewatching these. Scream. I wanted to love it and I get why everyone loves it. And I feel bad that I don't love it. Scream two. I don't like, I, I hope that I like it better this time, but I did not like scream two. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I knew that to a certain extent, but also I didn't realize that you just straight up didn't like it. I thought it was like you had reservations. No, I I just straight up don't like it. Interesting. I hope that I like it better this time, but the things that I don't like about it far outweigh the things that I enjoy. And then I Scream feel like you 3. might really like Scream 4, which I really like. I, it might I be my so. I think it's my second favorite. I hope that I love it because Scream 3, it's like, okay, it's a worse movie. It went downhill, but I'm able to enjoy it more because of that. Like, because I don't have to try to explain why it's a good movie. It's like, no, it's, it's a crap movie, but I do like this aspect and I can just have dumb fun with it because like you said, a good movie almost needs to be worse for me to enjoy it. Scream yeah. 3 is the worst movie that I enjoyed more based uh-huh. off of my previous viewing. Okay, so that's enough of me talking 
uh let's let's get <laughs> some of y'all's uh prior information so, so that we can actually dig into some of this stuff and in, into more depth dan go ahead i'll let you All right. the ring. i saw this opening night oh i'm so fucking jealous i saw this opening uh, night uh we i at that point i was in my early 20s i was in my first like not adult job, but like, you know, in college job that didn't have anything to do with like work study or anything like that. I worked at a shoe store, like sports shoe store. And we made a habit because a newer, I said a newer theater had opened up in old town, Orono area, which is about 15 minutes away from where we lived, where the major theater was. Uh, it was smaller. It was a little bit cheaper, uh, kind of like in a dirt mall type of situation. And we made a habit of going there like, every week as like half the staff we'd get out of work we'd go to the movies like on a friday night that's just what we did um and we i mean we had seen like volcano and dante's peak and daylight we we literally were going we saw everything at this theater so it wasn't like we made a conscious decision we need to see this new west craven horror film Mostly because I was the only one there who knew who Wes Craven was. Um, I grew up loving Nightmare on Elm Street, so I was I, I was excited for this. But everyone else was just like, "Oh, not much of a horror movie fan," but you know, it's new. Let's go watch it. This movie converted them into horror fans. I'm talking. I'm talking like four or five people, um, girls, boys. 19-year-olds, 28-year-olds, you know, not a a large swath of a cross-section, but at least, you know, for the people I was hanging out with, it was, you know, a a 10-year age gap um, with little to no horror knowledge whatsoever. And I realized as we were watching this, this was the perfect introductory horror movie for them because it tells them everything they need to know about what to expect from a horror movie. Mm. Um, the crowd responses were fantastic. People lost their shit when Drew Barrymore died. Like, it was one of those, like, people were gasping and looking around at each other. Like, that that just happened. What? Yeah, because it was marketed as, like, she was the star. Like, she oh, she was all the over the advertising. Yeah. All over the advertising. You know, front and center on the poster. And then they killed her, and people were like, did not expect that. Um, and then I'm like, oh, that's a nice nod to Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this movie for the next like three to four weeks turned me into the group Randy. <laughs> <laughs> the shoe store was next- the movie. <laughs> yeah. The shoe store was next door to the video store that I eventually started working at. So they were like, okay. They're like yelling so- the rules of horror movies in the shoe store. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. They were like, what was Texas Chainsaw Massacre about? What was, you know, Psycho about? What Pretty much every movie that was mentioned, they're like, we need to watch every movie that they talked about in that movie. Can you write down a list? And I'm like, yes, I can. This is going to be <laughs> fucking good. That's and awesome. then we would spend, like, Tuesday nights during the week renting those horror movies. And then they're going like, oh. So, I mean, this this was... This was film school for me. For you know, I got to be like a film school professor for like five co-workers for a month. And it was fucking phenomenal. Um, 
And I, I think a lot of them, for the first time in their life, really started to appreciate horror. And for me, this was the first great horror film that I got to see in a theater because, I mean, I grew up in the 80s when the slasher film was king, but I was 11. I was 12. <laughs> I, I didn't get to go see these films in the theater. The first one I got to see in the theater was fucking Freddy's Dead. <laughs> not... <laughs> Not the, you know, the great one that you hope to see in a theater. So, you know, for as many awesome movies as I got to see in the theater, other than, I take it back, I didn't get to see Pet Cemetery in the theater. But other than that, you know, I just didn't get to see a lot of horror movies in the theater. So this was like the first one where I could be like, yes, I put my mark on this one. This one I got to see in the theater. This was awesome. Man, that's great. And I'm then... So and then I started, when I started working at the video store, it was just after this had come out on video. So I got to recommend this to people too, you know, the video store. So, so you're literally Randy, Randy. Once again. Yeah. <laughs> this is why when you said, aren't these scream shirts great? I'm like, where's my fucking Randy shirt? <laughs> I want a Randy shirt. If you're just going, there are rules. <laughs> That's all I want from this. Oh man. Yeah. Check out a, what was it? Redbubble? I think where, I, I mean, I don't know how. I know, but I, Red I feel weird buying from pirates. some of those places. Yeah, it feels very yeah. piratey. Yeah. One day I will find a great Randy shirt and I will I will purchase it. <laughs> and it'll say the great Randy Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, oh, that's one of the reasons like I hold this film in such high regard is it was, you know, a, just a perfect movie going experience. Mm-hmm. It was exactly what, you know, Miramax counted on this film to be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to overstate the cultural impact this movie had in general. It was, I mean, I don't think anything, the closest thing that I feel like we've seen to it since Scream is Get Out. Like, yeah. that's that's like the, the the last time that there was a movie that hit the, the zeitgeist so, at like the exact right moment, it was the exact right movie for the time. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you talk about like it's it's funny to think of this as a gateway horror movie because it is so reliant on those horror tropes. But that's exactly what this was for me. Like I'm fairly certain this is the first R-rated horror movie I ever saw. Um like ever. Uh I it might be Sleepy Hollow because it was right around that time. Um I saw this movie, I assume after Scream 3 had come out. I know the reason why I watched this movie was actually because uh in like fourth grade scary movie was a phenomenon for all the like <laughs> nine and ten year olds <laughs> because that's it was one of those taboo... level they're going for. exactly yeah it's like yep. one of those taboo movies where it's like the kids whose parents don't give a shit are mm-hmm. like yeah they get to go see it and then they come to school and they describe all the things in the movie and it's like i have to see this because i can't believe something like this exists but you know my parents were like absolutely not you'll never you're never going to watch scary movie um but <laughs> Uh, my and I, to be honest, I don't actually know if my parents gave me permission to watch Scream either, because I vividly remember the first time I watched this movie. It was at my grandmother's house, and I actually don't remember anything about the experience of the movie itself. But I vividly remember it because while I was watching the movie, I was like sitting in my grandmother's living room, watching it on like you know one of the big tube TVs with like the convex glass screen, kind of like the one that you know, spoiler alert, kills in this movie that's playing Halloween. <laughs> I remember watching the movie on that and sitting like way too close to the TV and I saw a reflection in the screen 
of someone moving behind me. And I turned around and there is a person in a ghost face mask standing behind me while I'm watching the movie. <laughs> and so I'm okay, saying, and I'm like, that's amazing. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's probably 2000. So I've got to be like eight or nine years old. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm sitting there and I assume it's my uncle because like I'm at my grandmother's house. My uncle was in high school at the time and still live with my grandma, my youngest uncle on my dad's side. And so I assume it's my uncle and I'm like, Michael, I know that's you. But deep inside me, I'm like, what What the hell's going on here? Like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I know that's you, Michael. Don't like stop trying to scare me. Person in the ghost face mask does not say a word and just slowly <laughs> starts walking toward me and like cocking their head to the side like they're fucking Michael Myers. And I'm sitting here as, you know, a small child who I didn't mention this before, but I mentioned it many times. I didn't really like horror movies for the same as you, Nathan, like. I don't like being scared, but I've always been fascinated by horror and that kind of, you know, when you're a kid, you're just, it, it's the kind of like the scary movie. It's so taboo that like I was interested in it, but I was always too afraid to like dare myself to do it. But with, with scream, it was like, I have to watch this because I'll at least have some sort of like cultural touchstone for what scary movie is to a certain extent. <laughs> but anyway, I love so that you wanted to watch scream because of scary movie. Like, Oh, yeah. if I can't watch scary <laughs> movie, maybe I can at least watch scream. It's a real, <sighs> uh, yeah. Snake eating its tail kind of moment. Um, <laughs> yep. But, but yeah, so Ghostface starts walking toward me and I'm like trying to maintain my composure, but internally I'm freaking the fuck out. And Ghostface gets directly into my face to the point where I'm like, desperately trying to rip the mask off of this person. And it turns out that it's my grandmother <laughs> and she starts laughing and she's like, so, uh, she's like, I just want you to know, sweetheart, that like, you know, you know, this is all fake, right? Like this isn't real. There's nothing to really be scared of. And I'm just like, this woman who I love is my just, hero. Just traumatized me. To prove to me that horror movies are not real and nothing to be scared of. Brilliant. So, yeah, I don't actually, and it's it's a funny thing because like I remember that so vividly, but but I don't really remember the experience of watching the movie, which kind of gives me this weird thing where it's like I don't feel like I ever really got to experience the kind of reveals and twists and turns fresh because you know I was a kid, didn't really have that much context for horror, didn't realize that Drew Barrymore was you know, supposed to be, it was, you know, marketed as the star of the movie. So it was like just a regular old horror movie for me. And I watched it like many, many times growing up. It was just like, if Scream was on, it's like, yeah, I'll watch Scream. And it's the kind of movie that after a while I'd seen it so much and had kind of committed it to memory that I just, I feel like I kind of took it for granted, you know, like I didn't realize just how much I love the movie until really this past year. So, um, Scream until I started first. talking about Scream three is what you're saying. No, 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 because it was back in April. Um, Scream was the very first movie that I saw in a theater post vaccination because it was at the time of like our local AMC was, you know, movies hadn't quite made the full swing back into theaters. So they were still playing a lot of like older movies in our local theaters, which never, ever happens in this area. But yeah, they were playing Scream one night on Easter weekend, of all things. <laughs> and the tickets were five bucks. So I went with Allie, my wife to go see it. And we paid $10 to go see scream. And we had the entire auditorium to ourselves. Nobody else was in there. Oh, that's and I was awesome. like, this is the greatest thing ever. I basically rented out a theater for 10 <laughs> bucks to watch scream. <laughs> and 
I mean, it would have been nice to watch it with a crowd just to see how they react and stuff. But at the same time, not during, you know, COVID. <laughs> I was happy that there nobody else decided to buy a ticket. But anyway, watching this movie on the big screen is was a euphoric experience and just like really hammered home to me like, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is probably my favorite slasher movie of all time. Like you know, Halloween and Black Christmas and Nightmare on Elm Street and all those, like, they're pretty high up there, but I'm, I don't know if it's nostalgia or what, or, I mean, I think it's just because I love the horror genre so much now as an adult that, like, I appreciate what this movie is trying to do so much, but I just think on a pure entertainment level, on an analytical level, like, everything that I love about movies is in this movie, and I think it's just, like, a perfect pure entertainment so good, and I'm so glad that I got to see it on a big screen, and I'm so f***ing excited we're about to talk about it now. So here's <laughs> that is my prior two, two quick things. Thing number one, as you were telling the story about the first time that you watched it, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was like, oh, please be the grandma, please be the grandma, please be the grandma. <laughs> to the point where I almost interrupted you to say, please tell me that was your grandma. So that brings me so much joy that it was your grandmother scaring the shit out of you as a young child. Yeah. She was great. She was my, my, that was my grandma. Like my uncle was the cool uncle who would show me all the movies that I definitely wasn't supposed to see. Like I did actually eventually watch scary movie. Not too much longer after that, when I was probably like 10 because he rented it and I got to watch it when everybody had gone to bed. <laughs> Cause nobody ever made sure I went to bed before <laughs> they went to bed. When I stayed the night at my grandmother's. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Scary movie is by far the worst movie. Uh, the other thing oh, it's, is it's, it's bad. It's terrible. So there's about five good jokes that do not carry the movie. Here's the other thing. Both of you had amazing experiences watching Scream. Like to hear both of you talk about the first time that you saw it in your prior information. was like, man, that sounds awesome. I want <laughs> that experience. Like either of those, I feel like I would have been so much more emotionally connected to this movie. And, and again, like this is part of why we talk about what our prior information was and like what our context was with viewing a film, because there is so much of that experiential part that drives how we view movies. And part of why, like, I don't write reviews on Letterboxd is or why I don't give ratings on Letterboxd is because it's like I, I can't rate a movie because some movies I love because of my experience with them. Other movies I love because they're great movies. Other movies I love because they're fun. And I can't just give a four star rating to three wildly different movies and convey what all of that means. Which is why we do a podcast where we talk for like two hours uh, for movies <laughs> that sometimes are less than 90 minutes. But um, but yeah, like there, there's such an experiential piece that both of you had that I feel like plays such a huge, huge role in how much you love this movie. The more that I watch Scream, I do think that I'm eventually going to get to the point where I have a much much deeper appreciation of it. But I also kind of feel like my appreciation is only ever going to be academic. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have like that same raw emotional experience because that wasn't part of my initial viewing and it wasn't part of my subsequent first mm -hmm. viewings. And it's going to take a lot to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I can now like maths out all of the ways that it's a great movie but again, like it's, it's going to be academic for me. I hope that that's not the case. I hope that it gets to a point where I can just like love it out of sheer love. But 
I, I, I don't know. Uh, it feels like you're overthinking it. Like I'm, you just I am let this positive just, that I'm like, overthinking it. But also, well, but here's here is part of why. Like I know that I'm overthinking it, and I know that the critiques that I have are overthinky critiques. Part of the problem, though, is that I'm watching it within my context now. I'm not watching it when I was a kid to have that traumatic experience to where like every time that I saw Ghostface, even if I know that it was fake, there's still the like spooky grandma behind me scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> I don't have that raw emotional experience. I don't have the experience of already loving horror movies, watching it for the first time and being the professor to my friends with the gateway horror. Like I, I don't have either of your experiences. Hmm. I have the experiences of I can watch both Scream and Behind the Mask the same day. And I love Behind the Mask so much more. I can watch Scream and Cabin in the Woods. And even though I also have issues with Cabin in the Woods, I I dig it more. It it is Oof. I love Cabin in the Woods, but man, that's it it's <laughs> it's because it hits Wild. different sensibilities. It's because of the way that um, more. That, yeah, you, I feel like you probably like it. It almost feels to me like with Scream it because it tries to strike the balance. So it almost feels like for you, it would either need to be more meta or more serious. Yes. And that that is a perfect, perfect way to start diving into some of that. Um, be, because of the fact, like one of the things that most people talk about when they talk about Scream is the way that it deconstructs the horror genre and the way that it is so meta and the way that, you know, like it takes place within the real world, but still like is, you know, fantastical and all this other stuff. But here is part of why some of that meta and deconstruction and just the constant horror references bug me. And again, a lot of it comes down to just the way that I think that it's breaking the laws of its own world and part of what makes Scream scary is that it's based in the real world with kids who are really influenced by fake things they've seen. So, like, it's that interplay of, like, it's in the real world and people are watching these real world movies. Like, they're watching Halloween and they're watching The Exorcist. You know, it's not like with The Blob where they uh, talk about whatever, like The Weed Whacker Killer Part 8. It's not like yeah. in uh, Monster Squad where they talk about, um, oh, shit, I forgot the, the name of the movie that... Um, uh, that he wants to watch, that he has to watch from his roof, but like it, it's in this real world, and again, like that's part of what it brought uh, brought Scream into the modern era, and what revitalized the slasher genre is the fact that it was like this is real. People are really being influenced by horror movies, so let's examine that. And again, like I love that. Um, and and again, like. Uh, Again, part of what makes it scary is the fact that it is a quote unquote real world movie. Mm. You know, it's not Michael Myers. It's not the shape. It's not Freddy in your dreams. It's not uh, Jason jumping out of the water. And I've mentioned this plenty of times in the podcast that the supernatural stuff. Yeah. When I was a kid watching it, like anything spooky spooked me. And even now, jump scares creep me out. Not like they stay with me, but if I'm watching a movie, the loud clash and jump scare. Like I'm going to jump just my nerves are already on edge. And so when I watch it, yeah, even when I know that it's coming, like there was one movie, um, I think that it was, uh, the invitation that I saw at the chat film fest. And I was watching it, uh, with my same friend that, uh, that gave me the heads up on Mandy. 
And I knew there was a jump scare coming. Like I knew it. I could count down to when the jump scare was going to happen. And it happened and I jumped and my friend laughed at me as he should. (laughs) But it's like, I know when it's coming. That movie didn't stick with me. Jump scares still make me jump. But uh, even though the supernatural stuff and jump scares, like they're going to make me jump. It's the real world stuff that spooks me out. The like home invasion or like the things that can really happen. Shit. Like we need to talk about Kevin. That movie is traumatizing for so many reasons. And so the real world stuff is the stuff that tends to stay with me the most. And that tends to make me like, ah, and so, yeah, like I, I don't like the real world horror. I still watch them and I still enjoy those movies, but those are the things that Mm. I I can watch ghost stories all day long and not be worried about that. I watch one movie with some dude walking outside a a window. And then as I'm rocking my kid in the middle of the night and I see just like a tree wave, it's like, Oh shit. Is that a dude walking by my window? Kind of thing. Um, yeah. All right. So, so yeah, after such a long run of some of those supernatural horror franchises, like Friday the 13th, Halloween, nightmare on Elm street, Halloween, sorry, Hellraiser. Um, that, that's all definitely part of what helped scream revitalize that horror genre. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't argue that at all. Like that is absolutely part of what makes it so good. But much in the same way that when I'm watching a found footage movie, like that tiniest unrealistic thing draws me out of it. Like if I'm watching found footage and someone's like, we need to keep filming everything. It's like, no, you fucking don't dude. Like the first time someone in a found footage movie says we need to record everything. It takes me out of it. And I just, I don't get invested in found footage movies, despite the fact that they're trying to make it even more real and trying to draw you into it even more. They don't. Uh, Hmm. and, And so it's the same thing with scream because so much of it has like this real world context some of these internal inconsistencies that give it some of that meta start taking me out of it like the Uh fact that um the fact that billy skeeter Ulrich directly says i was watching the exorcist and then linda blair has a cameo the fact that they directly reference friday or uh, sorry a nightmare on elm street and then they have Wes Craven dressed up as Freddy Krueger. Like it, it's right there on that line of, okay, either be more serious about it and stop trying to have fun in a way that breaks the world or stop trying to be so self-serious and just have more fun with it. It's only doing that for the hardcore fans. I know people, the people. The people I watched well, it with has no clue that that was Wes Craven. Exactly, right. I, and the characters I, in the I, movie don't know that either. That's the uh, that's the thing that sure. like for me is what makes it work. Is those little things are like they're non diegetic. It's not like Henry Winkler sees Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger and he's like, oh hey Fred, and then he turns like does a Scooby Doo double take and he's like, what Freddy <laughs> Krueger? Is that you? Here's it's just the thing. like. And, 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 and I don't disagree with you. It's and, just Wes Craven kind of like having fun. Like you can sense like how much he's enjoying. And that goofing is around. fine. And that's fine. And that's fun. And I don't disagree with either of you. You know, <clears throat> like the fact that Dan, you said when you were watching it, no one recognized any of that stuff. Yeah, of course not. Like if you don't I five times to see it before I noticed that that was Linda Blair, you know, 
Most people I've, don't I'm, I've what, never noticed most it, people actually. don't know what Linda Blair looks like past the age of 12. Yeah, I only know, like, and I even was kind of looking for it. I couldn't remember who, I, I knew there was a cameo, one of the reporters was a cameo, but as I was watching it, I was like, I have no idea which one it is or who the person is supposed to be. Yeah. And then I looked it up, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Linda Blair. I. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, again, these are things that I'm being overly critical about. Mm. But agreed. But but the way that it is constantly referencing horror movies, and and again, for most people, it's like yes, that is part of what gives it its charm. Is like take out all of the times that there is a visual reference to a, a different horror movie, because some of those things I do love, and I think that those were great. Just look at how many times someone just straight up says the name of a horror movie. Like they say Exorcist, Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh-huh. um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, uh, Town that Dreaded Sundown, the, the, the Werewolf the Movie, howling. The Howling, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh shit. But, that, um, but that's funny though because that's how people talk about it's those real things. yeah like that's what we do These yeah that's, like that's true <laughs> people don't necessarily know, oh it's joe dante's howling it's oh what was that werewolf movie with et's mom because they don't know p wallace stone you know and again that's part of why the context of how i watch it now makes it so difficult to watch it with the the fresh eyes of watching it when mm-hmm. it came out so for well, that's why I think it was next time you have to watch it without the stick in your butt, man. I, I, I don't disagree with you. You're not well, I was wrong. Say, like the, you told me that this time when you watch it, you're going to watch it like as if the movie is playing more to the camera, as if it's like being a little bit more self-aware. Yes. And like when you told me that I didn't say this because I think I've mentioned this to you before. But when you told me, that, I was like, yeah, I hope that works out for you because, you know, like. But at the same time, I'm sitting here like, I feel like that's the wrong way to watch the movie because the movie's very explicitly I, not doing that. I feel like that's the wrong way to watch the movie, too, especially because trying to watch it that way, then too many other things are playing too seriously. And so trying to watch it as, you know, like winking to the camera, it also doesn't work because then it cheapens some it cheapens so right. much of how serious the movie it would is. Under, it undermines the horror of it if it if it's played that which again that's why I think it's so mm. brilliant about this movie is that it is poking fun at horror tropes but it's also legitimately fucking scary because it's got all these funny moments but all the funny moments are just like character quirks and character base but when yeah. the horror hits it never does it in a winky jokey kind of way it never like what happens it is brutal and it is bloody and vicious like literally andrea and i were re-watching the ending tonight and she's like i forgot how bloody this is i always forget that that's the thing too about it that's why i think this movie is so brilliant with its kind of like meta qualities is because every single like no matter how many times i watch it every single time i go into it i forget how like cynical and violent and bleak it is like it all especially in that opening sequence like it all like i know that drew barrymore is going to be disemboweled and her and steve is going to be disemboweled and i know she's going to be hung but every single time i watch it i'm like this is rough like this is so hard to watch it's so scary it always surprises me and because of like the expectation i have going into it and and again i don't disagree with you all of those things yep i agree it is very bloody and when it's being serious it is serious and 
and again, I'm watching it through my current context, but like the, the little visual cues I loved, you know, like when Henry, uh, when Henry Winkler is looking in the mirror and he's kind of doing the Fonz here, he doesn't, he doesn't go full on like, Hey, he doesn't like reach out a comb and go, eh? like he doesn't do the full like Fonz with it, but he is very clearly you know, playing a little bit on that Fonz character. He also he's has got his leather jacket in his little exactly. Closet he's got too. the leather jacket in the closet. Those visual references work, but like that piece for me works in the context of hey, here's Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger, and mm-hmm. when Henry Winkler says "forget about it, Fred" or whatever, like he he directly uh, calls him Fred, and she's huh. like, "It's." Uh, I mean, but like, what what's weird about this to me though is like you're talking about like like a single shot or a single line of dialogue in the movie. It's like, I can they, get why that would bug you a little bit, but I don't see how that brings the entire movie down. The, these, these are just pieces here. So it feels very few and far between where it's like really wink. Like, I mean, there's certain things like, you know, they, they have like Randy talking about the gratuitous tit shot. And then in the next scene, like it very explicitly does not show you Nev Campbell. I mean, which, Nev Campbell takes his shirt great. off and it doesn't show that. Like, that's a, I, again, it's non-diegetic. Yeah. It's not like the that, characters are like, ooh, I can't see your boobs. So so here's the thing. <clears throat> that part is great. You know, like I yeah. love that part where Jamie Kennedy is talking about that. And then, yeah, they cut away to where you should be getting the boob shot and you don't it's get it. Very it's, deliberately criticizing the male yes. gaziness of slasher movies. It's smart, smart. And I like way. that. Here is um, here is where I wish the movie just like made some minor tweaks and and but again then it would be catering very much to me and not the <laughs> rest of the horror uh, audience. There would only be one screen movie and it would be because Nathan was the only one who saw it. <laughs> yes, ja- I have no complaints whatsoever with Jamie Kennedy and his character of Randy. All of his, these are the rules of horror movies. Yep, I have no problem with that because it works for his character and it makes sense within like this very serious real life slasher movie to have the character who has seen all of those horror movies who is that guy. Like that to me feels genuine in a way that you're able to play with some of the like telling the the horror tropes in a way that makes sense. Like even at the end when he says, uh, now be careful, this is typically the part where you think that the killer's dead and they come back for one last scare. That mm-hmm. makes sense for him to say it. I don't feel like his uh, dialogue right there is out oh, of man, context. I would have sworn that you would criticize that moment. <laughs> no, because it works for his character. And uh-huh. his character brings the meta to this film that, for me, works. Okay. If that had been where the meta resided like if that was where all of the commentary on horror was directly being commented on i almost said commentated and that's not a word then then i would be a lot more okay with it because then so uh for instance in scream three so if he was the only person in the movie he would ever seen a no, horror movie no the fact that <laughs> this group of people that obviously all get together and hang out and watch stuff to watch movies together. together. <laughs> Except for the fact that Nev Campbell directly says, I don't like watching horror movies. 
because all that they do is run upstairs when they should run out the front door and then she uh-huh. runs upstairs run, rather than running out the front door which is fine yeah, it's, That's, so it's fine it's, it's fine That's fine the door because she latched the door and she latched the door also like i understand when you're in a traumatic uh or, or yes a traumatic or very anxiety producing moment <laughs> you're not going to be thinking straight we talked about this with jurassic park and why timmy didn't let go of the fence that's fine it's not a critique of that but you have her directly saying that she doesn't like to watch uh, scary movies okay it's fine because because ghostface literally asks her do you like scary movies and she's like no (laughs) (laughs) and and again watching it within this context is part of why for me it it starts falling apart a little bit and starts being a little too winky and naughty the fact that and i didn't know this until very recently uh the fact that the movie was originally called scary movie and within um, the first five minutes, they say scary movie probably 20 times. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that they changed the name of it because if they had left the name of the movie as scary movie and then have as many lines of dialogue as they do saying scary mm-hmm. movie, like that kind of would really get at the, uh, okay, yes, I get it. It's a scary movie where people have seen scary movies. I actually you think Scream is, have a, to is keep... a pretty good title. Oh, I think Scream's a great title. I think it works really well. It's it, it's like the the fact that they have to constantly tell you, hey, we live in a world where scary movies exist. Like the fact that Nev Campbell says, whoa, it's like the town that dreaded sundown here. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, fine. Did, did you need that? Like, it's, it's, there, there are too many of those little things which for most people do not break the movie for me it adds just enough that I start rolling my eyes enough that I wish that I wasn't and yeah, but those are literally references we make all the time yes they know? are which again is why Randy works that is why Jamie Kennedy's character but, but they're works. all that way like they're Randy's just the most belligerent about it. And yeah. I, but, but, okay, and here's the thing. Here's no, why I no problem believing Stu and Tatum do that all the time as well. <laughs> so so like, <sighs> this is why I think the meta like what I love most about the meta elements is that I don't think it's strictly there to be clever. And mm. and I think even saying that the movie's meta is kind of a weird way to describe it in 2022 because i feel like our what we think of as meta is very different from what it meant in the 90s because i think nowadays we think of like the deadpool like breaking the fourth wall kind of thing or like the phil lord and chris miller movies where they're like 21 jump street where they're like so very clearly going really over the top like almost literally winking at the camera kind of stuff because scream never never actually does any of that because it's all the characters are treated as real people. They are grounded in the reality of this movie, which may not necessarily be realistic at all times, but I think it makes sense for the type of movie that they're in. And, and, yeah. And, and, and many times the, what they're talking about are deliberate red herrings. Yeah. Oh, we, we, so we it, are, it, it misleads you into thinking, and, oh, this is what's going to happen. So that when it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. Mm. So hold, hold on to that piece because that's where I want to go next. Uh, because okay. one, I want us to stop talking about this so that we can get into so much more because there's so much more uh-huh. actual depth that I want us to get into. And the misdirection is where I start to take the stick out of my butt and actually really, mm. really love things about this movie. Again, my critiques are yeah. minor but they're just present enough to where 
I want to love it. I really do, <laughs> but I don't quite. So here, here's the last thing. Well, hold on. Say. Go, go ahead. I, I didn't I didn't finish. Well, I, the only thing I wanted to mention was that I think that like all of the meta elements and the fact that everybody's talking about it and the stuff that kind of bugs you is what works so well for me because I don't think that it's just there. I don't think they're just ro- dropping references as like the way that we look at most like movies like Ghostbusters Afterlife where it's like, oh, we've got hundreds of Easter eggs in this movie for the fans. Like, I don't think Scream is dropping them in just for people to be like, hey, I know that movie. It like it's used in a way that builds character very well because this is essentially a movie that's about killers who don't have any real context for reality. They are literally doing things that they see in a movie. Like it tells you so much about Skeet Ulrich that he wants his life to be like a movie where the woman will fuck him and where he can get whatever he wants and he can use violence to make her submissive. And literally every single time. So any kind of emotional anything happens, they filter it through the lens of a movie. Like when when Sydney is sitting there telling him about like the the traumatic the trauma she faced at the because her mother is dead. He's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like Jodie Foster seeing visions of her dead dad in Silence of the Lambs, and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? This is not a movie. Like, right? Or like the reason he- like the first scene in the bedroom is like, yeah, I was watching Exorcist and it was edited for TV and it made me think about us. Like he so, literally thinks about everything through the lens of pop culture. We are going. Yeah, this is one of the entire world. Even like you know, horror movies is like horror movies don't make bad people crazy or whatnot. It just makes crazy people smarter or some shit. Yeah, it's uh, uh movies don't make psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Yeah, yeah. there we go. It's a funny yeah. line because like it feels like that's very much the worldview of Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven. Yeah. And he has the killer in the movie deliver it, which I think is so fascinating. So I don't disagree <clears throat> with what you're saying. I, I don't. And like all of those things that you're mentioning are the things that I'm like, okay, once we get past these minor, but things that really bug me, those are the things that I'm like, okay, that is part of what makes this movie great. And like, that's <clears throat> where I actually want to be spending our time. This is the last thing that I'll say on this. Yes, I agree with you that like the way that we interpret meta now is different from the way that it was interpreted in mid 90s. However, the vast majority of people that talk about Scream, like they talk about it because of the way that it revitalized things, because of the way that it was deconstructing the genre by rebuilding it, by following the rules, by breaking the rules. Like it's within that context that people talk about it. Yeah. So that to me. And, and again, maybe that's part of my problem is that because, which is extra textual. To be sure. Fair. But again, but I, I get where that, you're coming from. that could be part of why I have a hard time with it is because that's where so much of the conversation focuses that for me, I just, I, I don't know. I don't feel like it balances that very well, but if we remove all of that, like if we remove that sort of uh, deconstructive uh, meta context, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question that I don't actually want an answer on because I want us to start getting into these other things. Okay. It's fine if you answer it, but I don't want us to dwell on this. If you remove some of the stuff about scream that again, is like playing with the genre. Is it really that different from movies? Like I know what you did last summer and urban legends and all of those other mid nineties slashers. Yes, but also no, it's it's a slightly better one than those, but like, is, is it really 
that different. And and I think I think that that's why for me I have a harder time fully embracing it and like oh my god I love this movie is I just I just kind of lump it in with those or like can't hardly wait it like to me I'm not saying that they are the same quality. Yeah, I don't really know but, how to separate the two because it's so it's so ingrained in the DNA of this movie that I mean that's so much the point of the movie. But but it, but, but what's but, great but about it is like even just on a functional slasher level, I think this movie is better than ninety nine percent of slasher movies because of like I think that it is such has such a deft handling of tone. It's so good at setting up all the pieces. It's so good at generating tension with just like little things like. So much of it is so brilliant. Like even in the opening scene, which I think is still like probably maybe the greatest opening scene to any horror movie. Like it it sets the tone perfectly and does it in such an efficient, such a short manner. Like you get Drew Barrymore getting the phone call, and while she's talking to Ghostface, she's like fiddling with the knife, which then comes into play later when she pulls the knife out. You get a shot of the swing set outside, which she is eventually hung from. You get like the popcorn that's put on the stove that she forgets about that then causes the smoke to come up and add all this like atmosphere and up the tension. Like it's so perfectly set up and, and yeah, and even like the, the final like 45 minutes of this movie is all just one big set piece at Stu's house where it's like so many different escalating like cat and mouse sequences that are, just brilliantly set up like the I, one of the things that is so simple, but I think is just one of the smartest things ever is how uh, uh, Gail puts the camera in the living room so she can watch the kids, but it has a 30 second delay. Yeah. Like that is so such a smart, simple, effective, like horror tool to set up a jump scare later on. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many things about this movie that at just on a functional horror, visceral thrill level, is brilliant and perfectly executed. And those things I do not disagree with. Those things are great. Those are the I feel, things. I mean, is, is th- those are the things. Asking? Those are the things that we're about to get into. But your first okay. remark of, but I don't see how you can separate it. I don't see how you can separate that sort of meta and deconstructive. And yes, whether or not we're using uh-huh. the exact correct terminology in in like fully getting at what we mean, regardless of that. The fact that your first response was, yeah, but you can't separate it because that's so ingrained in what the movie is, is part of why for me, it doesn't work as well as it should because of the fact that it's so ingrained and like part of what makes Scream so great is it's deconstruction and blah, 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 blah. And so for me, for it to not nail that tone, it makes it a little bit harder to love it throughout when it's doing it right. It does it great because there's tons of little things that I do love. I love uh, I, I love all of those little visual references like when uh, when Tatum is wearing that tin jersey like um, uh, uh, what's his name? Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. I love the fact that like Skeet Orich is basically playing Johnny Depp from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like there's so many of his mannerisms that are done exactly the same. I uh, oh shit there was another one uh, that I can't really remember right now but like there's a lot of those visual references that to me work and yes those are the things for the hardcore fans that like you really have to know to to get there's also a ton of little things that are done so so well that i don't that you, you don't pick up the first few times that you watch it it's only in the subsequent we watch re mm. once you know what's going on 
that you're able to pick up on the tiniest things like when um, because it's such a it's such a good like it's such an intricately plotted mystery movie as well as all of these other like that's again like when you don't disagree with separate all those things it's still a great movie well but that's the thing is that's a great movie these other little things and it's take even me out of it just <laughs> these other little things I'm take sorry. me out of it just enough all right we're done talking about that because <laughs> oh my god we've talked about it too long so the, the, misdir- what I was afraid of. the misdirection <laughs> that dan brought up and uh some of the like how well constructed this movie is those things i love i love the fact that the only two people that okay two of the only three people that are directly accused of being the killers are Stu and Billy. Like they directly yeah. say at the beginning, he's the killer. He's the killer. Everyone else. Like there's tons of misdirection, you know, like you have the, uh, the focus on the killer's boots in the bathroom. And then you have the police chief's boots. When it focuses on him stepping on the cigarette, mm. you have Henry Winkler just being creepy as fuck t- uh, touching Nev Campbell's face. You're like, it's okay. Talk to the cops. My pretty, he doesn't say that, but oh his fingers God. say and that w- Henry Winkler would, the scissors the, the scissors when he's like i should just gut you time. to those two students like yeah <laughs> there's a ton of stuff that is misdirecting but the movie like straight up tells you these are the killers uh side note i'm fairly certain that that weird mouth thing that matthew lillard is doing throughout the entire movie is to give you a visual reference of like when he is sticking his tongue out sure does look a lot like ghost face with that very elongated tongue and the very elongated chin i think that that was intentional and not just a weird matthew lillard face thing Man, I think that was matthew lillard matthew lillard deserved an oscar for this fucking movie like there's a part <laughs> of me where i was watching the end of it and when he's like he's like uh doing the whole my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me like i'm sitting here thinking like that should have been his fucking oscars clip that they and play and that is great the fact that this killer is just like my parents are gonna be oh, mad but, but there's so many little things like when uh when skeet arch is talking to nev campbell after he gets out of jail and he's talking about like you still don't <clears throat> think that it was me right and blah 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 and then he's like uh, the, the line that you referenced earlier of um Oh, whatever movie with seeing the flashbacks and like you don't get it this isn't a movie when he says i forget the exact line but when he says something about how no it wasn't him that called her you see his eyes dart up really quick looking down the hall at where Stu just was yeah you, you, it's he's, so he's easy to miss. watching and he's waiting for Stu to come in yeah yeah it's almost like no that wasn't me as he looks up it's like it was him it was Stu. Uh, the piece that I love even better is at the end once they finally re- reveal that they are the killers, which side note, so, so annoying that they do the we're going to explain what we're going to do before we actually do it. And no, our entire that's thing, the whole point. they want in, to explain our it. entire because they're thing. In a fucking, they think they're in a movie. That's fine. They but think they think they're the smartest guys in the room. So exactly. they have to tell you how they and the I, least my, annoying my thing problem, in the world. It's the best problem, scene in the movie. Hold on. My problem is not that they say it. My problem is, okay, so their entire purpose is for Skeet to kill Nev Campbell because uh, her mom was having sex with his dad. And so he's all angry at her. Okay, so huh? do that before you start stabbing each other and start, you know, losing 
uh, blood and and energy. It's just it's one but of those. The it's, they want it's, people to. He wants someone. They want people to see that. Otherwise, logic. it doesn't matter. It's, it's like Pixar fine. didn't happen in the nineties because they didn't have camera. Sure, phone. you know it's like sure. Yeah, and again, caught, but we want to perform fine. And again, they're they're still idiot teenagers. Fine, right? But they, they're not going to do everything right sure, because they're idiot teenagers. Sure, so much. But Courtney that, like, Cox they, with the gun. Why is she saying, oh, blah, 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 blah. God, it, it's because movie she's logic. to what they're saying. It's she movie says, logic. It happens so that the movie can happen. An ending because they're describing their ending. Yeah, yeah. fine. If I'm in a situation, it, it, whatever, it's movie logic. I don't care. It's fine. It's dumb. It's fine. It's dumb. It's not dumb at all. It's, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's fine. It's, it's movie logic. Perfect. I don't care. What I do care about is when... Uh, you get the line from Jamie Kennedy earlier of it's the millennia. And so like motives don't matter. Yep. Great. And that is a great thing for scream because it is telling you these are senseless killings. And so that ups the tension and it ups the danger because if they're senseless killings, nobody's safe. And because of the seeming disconnect, like, yeah, sure. They're all at school, but some of the disconnect from some of the murders, uh, because it wasn't just all of that same friend group you do get the sense that no one is safe. That being said, uh, then when Skeet reveals or Billy uh, is revealing, no, I did have a motive, an incredibly personal motive, and it cuts to Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard and the look yeah. on Stu's face of what? And then again, like, yeah. it's, it's so completely yeah. taken surprised by that. Yep. And yeah. that so is great. I, that's another reason I love that moment. Yeah. And again, is Billy even telling the truth in this moment? We don't really know. Yeah, that's the thing about Billy, why he's such a brilliant, brilliantly written character is that like you never really know when like if and and that's the thing too. I don't think he even knows what how he yeah. feels. Like I think at the end of the day, he's just a horny teenager who wants to have sex with his girlfriend, and he's doing all of this. Be- and he finally has sex with her, and he's like, okay, cool. Now we can actually like finish this like we're done i got what i wanted oh yeah no like again i want to talk about how horrible because, yeah, uh, billy is as a, a character he doesn't have an actual ideology he's just ah this is what happens in movies that i think are cool so yep. i'm going to imitate it and again like mm-hmm. all of these things are the things that are great this is excitement talking about this this is not a God, hey guys you guys are wrong this is not me arguing with you this is a matched excitement of yes that stuff is great. The misdirection and how it, the movie directly tells you that it's the killer, but then it wasn't, but it was, these are the things that make that movie great. Those little facial cues are great. The fact that at acting the very, is so good. Acting is great. Characters. I don't love being amazing. Nathan, are you I, kidding me? No, I'm not. I do not love the characters. The, are you, are you kidding? No, I'm not Who do you so, love in this movie. So I love Jamie Kennedy. That's it. Uh, no correction. What? Correction. What about Gail correction. and Dewey and Sydney I love Dewey. and I love Dewey. Li- oh my, Dewey so, is so oh, good. Dewey's Gail great. is amazing. Sydney is the best final girl of all time, probably. Oh, like, she's so, great. so I love Tatum. Tatum is amazing. Like, I, I, love love, the- I love how protective she is of Sydney. Like when Dewey shows up with Gail, and she's like, "What the." F- you know, I like, love, I'm going to murder you, you know, for doing well, this. And I she's love, also like an airheaded teenager who is, who like, 
she's protected of Sydney, but she also gets to Sydney's house too late, and that's how she's attacked the first time. Like not so just the, not just the, too these late. These characters are so complex. Not like, just too late, but saying well, not just too late, but even saying, "Hey, I know that I'm already like an hour late, but I'm going to go pick up a movie first as you're yeah, sitting there." Who doesn't want to see Tom Cruise's dick? But she could have picked up her <laughs> like, scared friend <laughs> first. Oh, uh, th- that's another thing. Uh, not Tom Cruise's dick, but uh, another like little thing that is just like, yes, this is done so. Dick. I couldn't help. <laughs> this is done so incredibly well, and the it's these these little things that yes make Scream a great movie. When uh, Neff Campbell is walking through the house, and you hear the floorboard squeak as she is walking, and she just kind of shakes it off because she's like, oh, what? And that creak was coming from inside the closet where Ghostface was already hiding. Mm-hmm. And then I have a question of how long was he in there uh, and holding not having to pee. But that's a different issue. <laughs> the look, dude. <laughs> I'm just Christ, saying, why was, are we talking about he, this? He was in there for hours. Who thinks of this? I, I mean, like, that's a funny idea. And that's a thing that I'd be like, oh, it would be funny if he was in there for hours. But like the, the setup and payoff is great because, again, it oh, doesn't. Lord. It, it doesn't highlight it. She doesn't say, what was that noise? She's walking. The floorboard creaks. She's already a little mm. stressed. She just kind of shakes it off. And then later, that's where he jumps out. Again, little things like that are done so Sound well. Sound design really good in this movie. The, uh, the opening scene where after Drew Barrymore is killed, you have Skeet Ulrich. You have Billy showing up being all super horny. Like that tells you a ton about his character after the mm. fact, after you already know that it's him. Or like when um, when Tatum says, oh, yeah, Stu was with me all night. Like they were obviously boning. The fact that both Billy and Stu were turned on from murdering Drew Barrymore's character. Like you don't have to have them directly say, hey, we get turned on by this. You just you show it. And like it's done really well. Uh, There's so many Mm -hmm. of those things that are done incredibly well that. Yeah, I don't disagree. There's a great slasher movie that I want to love. Uh, I think you do. I, yeah, you are yeah. up in denial. This is really a therapy session. <laughs> I, 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 I think you're, you're, you're kind of closeted on this. I think you do. You, you are, that's why you were talking about Ghostface having, Ghostface having to pee in the closet because that's really yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you, feel, you feel like you're holding your pee in the closet. You're that's layering the meta elements into this very podcast. Right? I, yeah. I this hope is brilliant. so. I actually appreciate this approach. I <laughs> hope that the next time that I watch it, I am able to love it and can just set some of my complaints aside i hope uh let, let's talk for about every feeling. for every like you're at like a 97 positive comments here oh yeah compared I, to three percent negative and you're like I, but i don't love it i i i'm calling you out i think you do <laughs> <laughs> i 100 think you love this movie you are billy and Stu, and they're kind of hugging at the end but then kind of aren't you're uh-huh. Yeah, you're, you're like you're not you're you're afraid to kind of go the extra mile. Yeah, you know, you're, you're not ready to go there yet, but you you do. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that because there have been plenty of times where we've started talking about a movie on the podcast that I would say like, oh man, I love this movie. But by the end of the podcast, I'm like, you know what? This is a perfect movie. Like talking about mm-hmm. it and analyzing it and diving into it, it does definitely get me a lot more amped up. That was my hope for this episode. I see <laughs> all along. I can't talk about this the same results for screen three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're gonna get there, but uh, no, it's gonna be a trash movie that I'm still gonna defend the fun parts about it. Uh, let's talk about Billy. 
for a minute and how he is just the worst how he is uh gaslighting uh mm-hmm. Nev campbell how and he, it works to a certain extent too which is well, like the, yeah, the worst part he is, at one point she apologizes for her ptsd yeah she says i'm being selfish because of my post-traumatic stress and she does not say it ironically (laughs) she refers to herself as sexually anorexic and wonders what kind of man would put up with her yeah billy is meanwhile tatum who is a good friend is like that guy and his dick yeah yeah (laughs) but not not in the fun way uh no billy's character is a gaslighting slut shaming incel and just the fucking worst Mm -hmm. and um like, yeah, he is the killer. He should be the worst. And some of the stuff I know takes on a different context watching it now than back then. Mm-hmm. But that might actually be part of why it's working better for me now is watching it and realizing like, oh, my God, like that's where a ton of this horror is coming in. It's not the fear that Ghostface could be around the corner and that he could attack anyone and jump out and attack anyone. It's the fact that someone in a relationship could be gaslighting you and that sexual assault can come from anywhere. And like they are using a very phallic representation for their murder weapon and like very, uh, they, they are so what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not enamored, but they, they, they savor when they stab Mm. someone. Like it's not just a quick stabby stabby. It is like, yeah, they, I'm, and they, every single time they kill someone, they yeah. rip, they <clears throat> cut them apart. Like they, well, but no, like when they, when them. they stab them, like it is a very slow penetrating, like, yes, this is my metaphorical shiny penis going into this person. Uh, like once you realize again, all of the stuff about Stu and Billy, the scene where Ghostface is on top of Nev Campbell, uh, what's her name? Sydney. Is that her character's name? When, Sydney, yeah. when Ghostface is on top of Sydney, the first time and like he's kind of running the knife downer and from a movie like straight up movie perspective you're like oh my god why is he taking so long this is dumb movie logic just to give nev campbell enough time to mm-hmm. you know like regain her energy to give another attack it's like nope this is both Stu and billy who both have a hard on for and like who are sexually repressed wanting to savor this moment and like that is their that is their totally fucked up foreplay by running the knife down her chest. Yeah. Those things within the context, again, especially of modern society, that is what makes this movie so terrifying. Like uh, doing a double billing. I'm going to go ahead and give some of my recommendations doing a double billing of scream (laughs) and lucky. Like that would be just a nightmare for any woman who has ever dealt with any sort of sexual trauma. But like to me, those are getting at the same themes. Was that yeah. the theme that Scream was trying to get at? I don't know, but it works now. Oh, I, I yeah. think oh, a, I, a thousand percent. And I like the way that they the film goes out of its way to show you that regardless if you think Billy is the killer or not, he's a piece of shit. Yep. The scene, again, taking it back to my man Randy, when uh, Randy's in the video store and he, he notices that Ski is in there and he calls him out for being in the horror section. It's like, He's flirting with two fucking women, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, call him out on that <laughs> bullshit. Now that he's in the horror <laughs> section, that his girlfriend thinks she he was trying to murder her 
And instead of going like right to her and apologizing or, you know, doing anything, the first thing he does is go out in public and flirts with other girls. Yep. He is the worst. (laughs) Well, and not only that, it's like he like at the beginning of the movie, whenever they have the scene in the bedroom where he's, you know, he wants to have sex with her. And he's like, yeah, I just thought we could take it to the next level. Like he's kind of trying to play at being the sensitive boyfriend where he's like, okay, yeah, I, I will respect you and just do the on top of the clothes stuff. I'll go away, whatever. But then, like, <clears throat> you immediately kind of realize he's full of shit whenever he's accused, he gets out. And then the first thing, like like you said, instead of, like, going to Sydney and checking on her to make sure she's okay and, like, understanding that she just went through a traumatic event on top of also suffering a traumatic loss of her mother less than a year ago or a year ago. On the anniversary, yeah. <laughs> on the anniversary of her mother's death, death, he immediately comes to her and he's like, so, uh, so where are we at? Like, what's our relationship like? Like, yeah. are you seriously still mad about your mom being dead? My mom left and I'm over it, which, yeah. you know, again, the, like, you know, his motive is still kind of in question, but like, ultimately sounds like he's just yeah. kind of jealous because he blames her mother for his mother leaving and doesn't, you know, that doesn't, doesn't blame recognize his dad. That his father shares responsibility yep. for the affair. Yep, it is he, only the woman's fault. Like he yeah, is, he, he slut shames her worst. mother while also getting pissed off that Sydney won't put out for him. Yep, yeah. Despite the fact that the reason she won't put out is because he killed her mother. Like he is the architect of his own fucking pain. Yep, <laughs> and does not recognize his role in it whatsoever. Well, and all like, of this, this movie is so much about like. The, like I feel like that's part of why the meta stuff works so well is because so much of it is about like how horror is often driven by like male ego and how men, you know, the, the gender dynamics of horror movie, whether intentional or not, is like most horror movies are about women being pursued by men. Like, and the reason why, you know, might change from movie to movie, but ultimately it's because like people see women as vulnerable and again, whether intentional or not, it's about men trying to make women submissive by controlling them through violence. And I don't disagree at all. <clears throat> that's part of why the meta bugs me think, uh, is because like the movie, like that movie works so much better. Mm-hmm. If not, if you get rid of the meta, if you just trim it back, like mm-hmm. but in, well, in and I, we're not focusing on that because we're talking about the stuff that is fun. That is great. That does make this movie awesome. Uh, going back a little bit to, to Matthew Lillard's character at the end when he's like, wait, what you had a motive. And again, it's a split second of just the look on his face of what that is part of what makes his character while still the worst tragic. Like I don't feel for Billy whatsoever. That dude, he is the worst Stu. He says that line of just like, Oh, I'm just going to say that it was peer pressure. That's kind of true. Like, yeah so many of his lines throughout the movie make it clear i mean i think he's also like i mean it's it seems pretty clear to me that he's the one who's who kills drew barrymore in the beginning because he talks about how he dated her and i think he was spurned by her and that's why he's mad and oh sure decided yeah. to kill her and his boyfriend so, I, I mean like, he's definitely I, I wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if billy has gaslit him yeah that, yeah i think that's it's what it shown is again like, and again how manipulative billy is I'm sure it wasn't hard at all to pull Stu into this thinking, what a great idea this is. We can do this. And for who, when he's like, at the end, when he's like, oh, you, you, you stabbed me too deep. I don't uh-huh. think that's accidental at all. I'm, oh, no, no, I yeah. feel 100% that Billy was going to leave well, him for dead. 
And I'll say this to like to your point about it being tragic. One of the things that I think is so revealing about these characters is that scene where like when they're about to stab each other, you know, like Matthew Lillard or Stu, he's all pumped up. He's like, yeah, come on, let's do it. Stab me. And when he gets stabbed, he immediately is like, oh, shit, I've been stabbed. Yeah. Like it's like he doesn't even recognize the what violence does to a human being until well, that moment. And that's the thing. Like, like that's part of oblivious what that's part of what makes him so tragic is like pairing that with his line uh, at the beginning when I, okay I'm I'm stealing a line from I want to say that it was the, uh, the um, honest trailers where they said that Nev Campbell gave her her best Kristen Stewart impersonation <laughs> or impression when she's like how can you get someone uh, but yeah when she says how do you even get someone and and Stu starts talking about like oh well you just do blah 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 like he is obviously so tone deaf to to what's going on that like for him i don't think that he has that same sense of like i I think that it's a different game for him and i think that for him it is slightly more on the i mm, i think he i think it is more of a performative thing like he he still like to connect this kind of with our gen x series i feel like all of these are kind of like all these people are kind of latchkey kids to a certain extent like Stu well, is obviously kind of a big giant house. Yeah, right. He's been left alone for that big giant house. It feels like to a certain extent, these kids kind of raised themselves on movies and they don't really know how to differentiate reality and fiction. And they just, they're like, yeah, I like movies. So I want to live in this reality, which to, to kind of put, uh, to bring this full circle with Billy, I do want to mention one thing that stuck out to me a lot this time that I never really picked up on before, which is, you know, the fact that they are kind of like trying to direct themselves into their own movie. There's there's this scene that like has always been a little like has always seemed a little cheesy to me up until this past watch where it's like right before Billy and uh, Sydney are about to have sex. You know, she's she's like, yeah, this isn't this isn't a movie. This is real. And he's like, no, it's all a movie, Sid. Like life is a movie. You just can't pick your genre. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, that's kind of silly. But but I, when I was thinking about it this time, it's like he is literally picking his genre. Yeah. Like that is what he's doing. He's choosing to live in a horror movie. Like when he says that in my mind, I feel like he's di- instead of like doing like the, the royal you or whatever. It's like I feel like he's directly addressing her. He's like, no, you can't pick your genre because I am picking it for you. Yeah, he is the like, director. He is the director. She's doing the thing like, you know, she's like, oh, I wish I was in a Meg Ryan movie or a good porno or whatever. And he's like, no, nah, you're in a horror movie. you're gonna be in because that's what i say which oh man we have to get into sid's arc because that the way that that is fulfilled through her character i think is just it's what makes this movie so great to me and why i think sydney prescott is just the best final girl why i love i I disagree she's not the best final girl but let's talk about sydney let's uh let's talk about that what what why do you think that she is the best final girl Because I think that to kind of get at this, this whole movie is about men trying to control women and her arc is about her finding her agency, taking control of her life. Like she is, she's traumatized by her mother's past. She doesn't want to have sex, even though she wants to, she doesn't want to have sex because she's afraid of being like her mother. She's been gaslit into thinking that is a bad thing for a woman to have sexual desires, which, you know, Again, with her mother, she's married. She's having affairs. Like that's—I'm not exactly saying that's right, 
but there's obviously more going on there but, where but she, she was, didn't she didn't think that her mom was having an affair she thought that her mom was wonderful was, and virtuous and that she was yeah, exactly. like she could and not she, accept the fact that her mom could possibly be unhappy and having an affair yeah she was deliberately gaslighting herself she was like trying to convince herself that there's no way her mother could be this person and she and like the whole movie is about her dealing with this self-doubt through her mother and also through like the the fact that she put a man in jail with cotton weary uh which got cotton weary what a great name by the way <laughs> it's a great character <laughs> but yeah like even there's like the moment where she's talking to gail uh, and like trying, like she's finally coming to the realization that, you know, maybe her mother did do some of the things that she can't accept. And that's when Gail's like, oh, you're, you're not sure that Cotton did this anymore, are you? <laughs> and I think this whole movie is about her trying to find control. And when she finally does decide to try to take some control, it's through having sex with Billy. And <clears throat> what I think is so like, great about her performances is, is like you can see that internal conflict for the entire movie but she's also not like your standard I'm a helpless woman who's going to be chased around like she's because she's gone through this trauma she is also like a fighter like this movie does such a good job of kind of threading the needle of making Ghostface feel like this omnipresent danger who could kill you at any minute while also being like a klutzy fucking dipshit who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> yep. And because, and I, I just love how well, like Nev Campbell is like, no, I'm not going to let you do this to me. Like I'm going to kick your ass and like knock you down. And you know, that's something you don't get with these kind of movies. Yeah. Well, both, both of the main women in this film fight. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Literally, Tatum, like, Tatum kicks the shit out of him. She's throwing those beer bottles at him. Like yeah, I, I love the, she doesn't, she's unlucky in her fight with him. Yeah, exactly. Because she didn't have another exit. Yeah, yeah. She if got, she had another exit, she she gets away. It, it feels like the movie is very deliberately kind of confronting the mis the misogyny and sexism of your you know typical slasher movie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and I like too that like they kind of bring up the rule about being a virgin, and in most of most of these movies, like the women are punished when they have sex, and in this case, Sydney is kind of empowered by that because it's her first step to taking control. Um, and one of the things too, like one of the, there was a, a thing that I was, I expect you to probably not like very much, Nathan, which is the scene where, um, Stu and Billy are distracted and, and Sydney kind of gets away. Like after they reveal their plan to Sydney, she gets away and she kind of turns the tables on them and she calls mm -hmm. them and uses the ghost face, you know, voice thing. And she hides in the closet and she puts on the, the the costume is the kind of thing where like in my mind i was like i bet nathan doesn't like this because it's not realistic no see that stuff doesn't actually bug me okay i, I was kind of <laughs> no, curious no, but... that, that i'm actually okay with because again that's playing into the whole like okay fine you want to be a killer you want to uh mm -hmm. you want to star in your own movie you want to be leading this horror genre fine let's see how you feel when it happens to you and exactly yeah like they used the it, ghost it was face. pointless like that yeah. is a stupid well, real life decision that is a very dumb like oh come on why just just why that's dumb but in a way that i don't care because eh, it's fine who cares like in that in that context a, it's fine 
I think it's such a brilliant like way. I mean, you know, metaphorically, I think it's a brilliant way for her to fulfill her arc because of how it represents like, you know, Billy and Stu, that was how that was the power they held over her. And she takes it away from them and uses it to her advantage. And she and yeah, she turns the literally turns the table on them. Uh, And I, I just think that's so that's so that's a powerful message and you know again i mean even and of course all the little things like you know the denial of the male gaze by not showing you her breasts whenever you know it it says the obligatory tit shot and just yeah i don't know i just think that it's one of those things where like she's such a great final girl because she is capable she will fight back she does get away she's still vulnerable like she still gets hurt and everything but you know it doesn't make her helpless in any way and the movie is about her you know, learning to stand up for herself and take control of her life and not being defined by like the social conventions of the time or the emotional, you know, limitations she puts on herself or even just the cinematic conventions of the film that she is in. Like, it's just, it's, it all just like works together so well to me. And I think Nev Campbell's just, she, she is so incredible and she's so like you empathize with her so much, like the scene where she's in the bathroom and the girls are talking about her mother, like just the way she reacts to that, like trying to hold herself together, but like crying in the stall is so heartbreaking. Uh, She's incredible. Speaking of the bathroom scene. Sorry, I didn't mean to like monologue. It's so, well, don't, don't worry. I'm about to derail us with something stupid. Uh, So there's been a number of videos that I watched leading up to rewatching the movie that talked about the scene in the bathroom where the cheerleader after using the toilet doesn't wash her hands and then instantly like sticks her finger in her mouth. (laughs) However, you can very clearly hear her washing her hands. So there's a lot of stuff that like you hear the sound design off screen. In some cases, it's a case of censorship, like, you know, with the MPAA, made them cut so many things in this movie, which is kind of insane. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff like, Oh God. Uh, I can't wait till we talk about the, the Dewey and the ice cream. <laughs> what? Oh, I can't wait. Dewey and the ice cream. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So this is another thing that I actually do love about scream. And this is an example of how a serious tone with humor are handled in a good way. This is an example of something that it's I such good character based humor. Well, that reveals a lot about him. It, it reveals so much. But this is an example of how this movie, in my opinion, should have been handling the tone throughout <laughs> when Dewey is talking to the chief and uh, and and yeah, like they're talking about like, OK, there's this curfew and uh, like Dewey's watching his sister and Sydney and like they're going through all this other stuff and like, oh, this killer could still be out there. And like they're having this very serious conversation and the police chief is smoking and Dewey has an ice cream cone and they get to that part of the conversation where the police chief like takes a drag off of a cigarette in the same way or in the same moment that Dewey having that same like very serious look on his face like yeah this is a moment of contemplation like says ice cream cone <laughs> it is so it is so good that piece of humor is great That's Dewey the kind is of the stuff best that I loved He's like the best cop in movie history, I think. Like he is so amazing because of like how much he's just trying to prove himself and how nobody takes him seriously and how he's like he's just such a great like he's such a I again he is also like a great deconstruction of like the kind of hero archetype. Like he's the one who 
in like the lesser horror movies would show up in the third act and save the final girl. And instead he gets stabbed. <laughs> like, and he doesn't even get stabbed on screen. He comes out with a knife in his back. But like, he's just so great because he's like, he's so, so goofy and everybody, like nobody takes him seriously. And they're like, especially Tate. Like, I, I, I love I it do whenever like the brother sister relationship between them. Yeah, that it's a great, but nice. like, I love it whenever he's like, when I wear this badge, I'm a man of the law. So, she's like okay whatever not just that Dewey. but yeah, mom told Dewey. you yeah it's the, it's the line of mom told you when i'm wearing this outfit like, oh yeah that's what it was my, yeah yeah it's, or like does, does mom know sydney staying the night with us like uh, <laughs> he's so good that's the thing. He, he is the film's representation of like pure goodness like everything he does he's at least trying to do it for the right re- even when gail is just like totally f- with him he's so endearing he's still trying to do everything for the right reason yeah and gail too is is such a great character because like when she first comes on you expect her to be like the typical villain who's like kind of like the bitchy reporter who's prying into their life but like she has such a great hero arc just like dewey and the the scenes with her and dewey like even though she starts off like trying to manipulate him and get information out of him in like a pretty charming way like they're seen about like him not being in her demographic is so funny. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I I go well with like eighteen to twenty four year olds, and he's like, oh, I'm twenty five, and she's like, oh, just missed you. And he, the way he says, like, he's like, I may be twenty five, but I was twenty four for a whole year. <laughs> one, of, so funny. one of my yeah, favorite he, lines. He wins her over because you can't tell me she's not falling for him a little when the, she agrees to go for the walk. Oh, oh, a thousand man. percent. And I, like, how do you not get why? How do you like, not let's fall? Let's go investigate this potential murder scene, but I'm going to walk because it's well, a lovely night. Well, and how do you like, not okay. fall for that line of, do you know what that constellation is? No. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. That's what I was asking you. Like that, <laughs> that piece of humor works. The humor that works does make me laugh. The the I don't I don't typically like Courtney Cox in movies, but she's so great as Gail. Yeah. Her lime green jumpsuit. She's great at like it's like it's so fun too, like because she initially like you know, she's like calling a W. Earl Brown like yeah. a lard ass and tell him to hurry up and she's definitely try, like trying to exploit or it feels like she's trying to exploit Sydney. Or even just the case, like she's got the line where she says something that like, oh man, I might set an innocent man free. Do you know what this could do for my book sales? Yeah. <laughs> like it's so crass, but at the same time, it's like you still get the sense that she's like, she's a woman in a field where women are not taken seriously. And this is the kind of shit that she has to do to like be taken seriously. Uh, it, it's so great that they don't make her like a one dimensional kind of villain. I, that's how all, I mean, I think all the characters like that. It's like they start off in these like very one dimensional tropes that you expect in these kind of movies. And they reveal so much depth through the writing and the performances. Yeah. And this movie does do a really good job of like having that strong female lead. And it's weird. Like, even though this is such a female led movie, ah, in, in a way, like it doesn't feel like it. Like when you think of Scream, and it doesn't feel like it's pandering in any way. Like you know what I mean. Like it's it's confronting those conventions, but it's also like it's not really drawing. It's weird because it's drawing attention. It's literally stating them at times, but it yeah. also doesn't feel like it's. I mean, again, because the characters are so relatable and and like they have so much, you like them so much and you fall for them so much that like I don't. It doesn't ever feel like it's 
it's just there to, you know, get the women in the seats. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, for the most part, like Dan said, 97% of my comments are very good comments. Maybe I do love this movie. Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here we go. We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. We'll get you there. We'll push you. We'll push you over the line. Maybe. It's, you out of that closet, Nathan. You may be you may be bound and gagged when we pull you out. Like, no, don't, don't push me. He has to find this himself. <laughs> it's I I well, it's like I said uh, at the beginning. I do think with subsequent rewatches, I'm going to get closer and closer and closer to loving this movie, and like mm-hmm. just outright saying, "Oh yeah, I love this movie." Part of me thinks again that it's going to be that purely academic love of like, yes, all of these Mm. things are so great. And okay. Maybe this is a better way to explain what I mean by it being an academic love. Analyzing scream is tons of fun. Like setting aside my critiques at the beginning, this last, however long we've been talking about this has been great. There's so much about scream. That really is great. Mm. I don't know if my experience, Experience watching it is ever going to hit that point of like oh my god i love this movie as i'm watching it because of, again of those little things that, that take me just enough out of it that during the movie mm. i don't know if i'm ever going to hit a point where i'm not saying to myself "Ugh!" at certain points mm-hmm. I, I will again spend a long time talking about why this movie is great and i definitely definitely do have a deeper appreciation of this movie but i still think that my critiques Uh, stand i still think there's a little too much referencing throughout it could have been trimmed back just enough like trim back some of nev campbell's movie references trim back some yes trim back yes but here's here's the thing as you were talking about here's the thing here's the thing though as you were talking about billy and the way that he views everything through movies Mm. i started to disagree with you as you were saying all of that not necessarily disagree with what you were saying but i started to kind of rebut it with a fine but somehow it just didn't work for his character in the way that uh, Jamie Kennedy's movie references did work for his character. Mm. But the more that you talked about, it's like, you know what? That actually is what works about Billy. Yeah. Because with, uh, uh, with Randy, like his character is so overtly movie referenced that, you know, like the, the whole conversation in the video store of, well, then why aren't you a suspect? And he's like, yep. I totally should be like within the context of a horror movie. I should be the prime suspect because Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Billy and, and all of his gaslighting and all of his manipulation and the way that he He was gaslighting you the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) In the way that he is so manipulative and secretive and, and is trying to in a dumb high school way, control every facet of his life. Is trying to hide all of those movie mm. references. Like he's oh, trying to hide how much movies like are influencing him, but he keeps yeah. f-ing talking about them, and so like he can't escape it. So yeah, that, that reminds me of something I have to bring up in just a second that I forgot to mention before. Okay, so so even though like as you were talking about it, I started to rebut. By the time that you got to the end, I was like, you know what? No, nothing to rebut because I agree. 
Billy views the world through his movies. Yeah. And Jamie Kennedy, uh, Randy provides the other side of that coin. He pres- uh, so Billy is the yeah. with the line at the end of uh, movies don't make psychos. They just make psychos more creative. Billy represents the movies are making psychos more creative. Mm-hmm. Randy is representing. No, they're just fun. Like they are yeah, escapism. Exactly. Those two people provide the balance of the tone of fun and deconstruction and the binary there. Yeah. Like that, that provides the balance that provides the, we're breaking the rules and we're following the rules. We're deconstructing it as we are leaning into it. That balance is great. Uh So many other pieces that aren't part of their dichotomy to me is what gets me rolling my eyes just a little bit just enough to where as i'm watching i'm just like ah and 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 again it's little things like if neville campbell hadn't seen or hadn't said it's like the town that dreaded sundown around here you don't need that line we get it horror movies exist it doesn't make sense for her who doesn't like horror movies and she also like is that's the a person thing. who watches movies. She, like she, she like, directly said that she doesn't like horror movies. I don't, I don't want us to get us back in the weeds. I don't want to get back in the weeds. I'm just saying she doesn't like them. That doesn't mean she doesn't watch them. Like if, I, I, if I her fucking boyfriend is Billy, I'm I sure she watches horror movies with that dipshit. I don't want <laughs> to get back into that thing. I'm just saying, I do want, I'm just saying, I love this movie. Sorry. Go, go ahead and say what you're saying. Because uh, what I was saying was kind of wrapping things up. Cause I don't know. I have if a, we have that many more things. I have a slight rebuttal. Say. And it's just that, like, I think the like, when I was talking about how, like, the whole movie is about Sydney wrestling control away from Billy, and that's kind of her arc. I do think that the movie references also factor into that, because I didn't, I forgot to mention, too, like, you know, uh, I had talked about how Billy is trying to select the genre for her. And I forgot that, like, the line that she says after she finally, like, kills him is uh, not in my movie. Because that's when Jamie Kennedy is explaining, like, yeah, this is the part where the the villain comes back for one final scare and she shoots him in the head and she's like, no, not in my movie. So like, that's the point where she literally wrestles control of the movie away from Billy, like metatextually speaking. Sure. Um, I also just wanted to mention one other thing too, that I forgot to, that I forgot that I think is, is really fun and, and something that I never noticed until this, uh, until this rewatch where like, obviously movies are kind of the, the catalyst for what set their whole big plan into motion. Uh, Stu and Billy, but I also realized that movies are also what ends up killing them in the end. It, it's their undoing. Like I never noticed this before, but the reason, the way that Nev Campbell gets the upper hand on Billy is when he's standing outside of the like closet or whatever she's in when she's in the ghost face attire. He he's about to open the door, and he turns and he looks because he's distracted by the movie Halloween because it's like the closet scene in Halloween. He turn when he turns and looks away. That's when she busts out of the door and stabs him with the umbrella. And then of course, like that TV playing Halloween is the thing that kills Stu because she literally drops the fucking TV on her, on his head. Uh, so I love the idea that, uh, that the movies are their undoing. I also like that, man, we have to just briefly talk about the way that, Wes Craven uses the movie Halloween in this movie is so awesome. 
Like they literally like have that movie bleeding into the reality of this movie. Cause like there's the scene where Randy's watching Halloween. He's like, no, Jamie's right behind you. He's right behind you. And like Ghostface appears like cued to the, the Carpenter score, like the sting of the Halloween theme. Like it's like, again, it's like the movie's bleeding into the reality, which represents the mindset that the killers are in. And of course, Jamie Kennedy too. And and there's also just the fun, like reference of Jamie Kennedy is saying it's behind you, Jamie. He's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween, but he is also a Jamie with a killer behind him. (laughs) So that's fun. Like, that's just so fun in there. And it also like works on like a, a kind of an academic level too, where it's like Halloween, so greatly inspired Scream, but also inspired the killers in the movie Scream, and and it's just all so good. And I, I love too, like when Dewey's going and like going through the house, you have Halloween playing in the background too, and it kind of ups the tension, even though nothing is actually happening in the house. Like it makes you think something's going to happen because you're hearing the other movie in the background. Oh, right, and, so good. and again, all of those things I'm on board with. You know, I, um, I, I, I love the whole "It's behind you, Jamie." That's great. It's yeah. Uh, there is probably more that we could discuss. Um, I think that I'm. I, I think I'm good. I, I have a closing argument. Um, mm. I don't know if there's that much more to go in depth with. But Eric, you and I have been kind of going at it for a while. Dan, we've not heard quite as much from you. So uh, what? What are Sorry, some yes. of your? Oh no! I, I mean, I just said at the beginning that he was here just to watch the fight. <laughs> oh, very much so, and to just interject when necessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we present some of our closing arguments, uh, is there anything else that you want to interject? Um, the one thing that we really haven't talked about that, again, it gets overlooked, uh, but it was so fucking spot on, was the soundtrack. Yeah, the, I was about the, to say. The, the music cues in this film. I mean, so, so much that, like, when you first really see Billy doing his Billy stuff, the song in the background is, you know, don't fear the reaper. Yeah. Like a, it's super like slow, a slow, sexy version of it. Too. Yeah, it's a slowed version down of it. Um, another, also, uh, another one of my favorite songs in the whole uh, thing is um, the use of Nick cave and the bad seeds, red, right hand, which, which plays is, twice in the movie. Yeah, I, I it's it's just a sinister fucking song. And I mm. loved it when that showed up. Um, yeah, the music again, it, it, this film does everything right. Mm-hmm. The score is the score is tense when it needs to be tense. The yeah, you know, me, the needle very great kind of horror score. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I think I think I remember in the document, it was like his first one. Yeah, like, this was very, yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah. He's a great composer. I love the use of whisper to a scream at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, which is, is pretty on the nose, but it also yeah, kind of fits. They're on the nose. Everything in the, for a music yeah. choice is on the nose, but it still works. And the uh, music um, does not bug me like that yeah. stuff. Like the, so on the nose, like, Oh, come on. So by not, not bugging you. You would say you, 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 the inverse of not bugging you is you love it. <laughs> what, just, I, uh, what I mean by that. You just need to reframe how to see this stuff. What I mean by that. Don't hate this. You can say, I love it. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yes. That was the contextual transition of, yes, I do love the music. It doesn't bug me in the way that 
too many of the movie references do like even though yeah like when you first meet billy don't fear the reaper is playing so on the nose it's like so romeo nose. and julia as he's going out of her window which i think is really it's like <laughs> it's it's cute so well even yeah, oh it, man the music the, the way great as it is like that's doing the stuff where it's like yes that is incredibly well done i do mm-hmm. love that again i'll save my closing <laughs> arguments <clears throat> until we get there I was just going to say, there's even little, like, I even love, like, uh, the way that the music syncs up. Like, when Red Right Hand is playing, the Dewey shuts the door to his truck, like, right as the, like, drum drum hits. Mm-hmm. It, like, syncs up perfectly. Like, there's little things about it. It's just, like, yeah, it's just, like, th- those little extra kind of details that are really fun that you kind of pick up on uh, later on. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I really wanted to mention. I love how 90s this movie is. <laughs> Like, I think it's kind it's of apologetically 90s, too. Uh, like, yeah, like it's the kind of thing where a lot of times when you make a movie like this, you want to you want to try and like not be too referential to the specific time because you want it to be like timeless or whatever you want it to play to people. But like this is such a great time capsule of like how wh- where technology was right before the Internet changed everything. You know, this movie couldn't really be made today in the same way because of, you know, cell phone. First of all, everyone calls cell phones cellular phones in this movie, <laughs> which is f-ing, it's always funny to me. They say, say cellular like 90 times throughout the movie. I, I feel like too, like right now, like if like I showed this movie to my fifth graders besides getting in trouble, uh, <laughs> most of them would be like. Where, where where are they where is that place that uh they're at and everyone is walking around talking about movies what is that yeah what is the, what are all those boxes with the movie covers on yeah it's like <laughs> i pretty I soon that, that concept of a video story is going to be so foreign that I'm, i'll be very interested to see how this place for people who We'll be watching it for for the first time in like five years. You know what's super foreign to me? Like even to me, as someone who who lived through the nineties, calling nine one one on your computer. I don't know if that's a thing, huh? I said I don't know if that is actually a thing. It was a thing. No one fucking did it, but you could. (laughs) No one did it unless you had no access. Yeah, no, that was like one of like the that was like one of the AOL features that they're like, look what you can do with AOL. You can call people from this, including emergency services. It's kind of like how, like in today's world, if you want customer service, you can. They have like the twenty-four hour chats, but it's like twenty-four hour chat with your nine one one dispatch. (laughs) Yeah. It's so bizarre. And you still uh, feel like whoever the dispatch people were, like, forgot that there was a computer. Like, in the yeah. other side, like, on the far side of the room that every once in a while would call would come through. Like, and oh, speaking- yeah, we remember to keep an eye out over there. <laughs> well, and speaking of kind of, like, weird, uh, like, outdated technology, one of the things that I found really fascinating is, like, this movie had a really fun, like, kind of Jaws effect. You know, like, where when Jaws came out, people were super afraid of sharks and afraid of going to the beach. One of the things that I thought was fascinating was after this movie came out, sales for caller IDs went up like like they tripled. <laughs> wow. Which is so interesting to me because, you know, for for any children listening to this podcast who don't know, 
Uh, when you had a landline phone, you had to have a caller ID, like a separate box that you connected to your phone to tell you who is calling you. Yeah, but that does uh, remind otherwise me. Otherwise, you had no idea who was on the other line. That does oh, remind me. It it bugs me that they had Billy's phone and they didn't just hit redial or like I, I don't know if but uh, they cloned it. Or well, that was the thing I, I wasn't really sure about the technology. So like dumb. they somehow like they were tracing the a clone on his cellular or whatever. Like I don't know. It's Billy was in the top of the game, man. Um, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about too. That just hit so well is the, the party at Stu's house other than being like just a fucking magnificent house that felt like such a realistic portrayal of an actual house party from that time yeah this it's wasn't not like the camperly way thing I, I, I was gonna use it's not the full balls out party but this is what most parties were like <laughs> that you went to in high school started out pretty you know fucking everywhere there's there's always a kid in the kitchen with a beer bong and, you know, there's a couple <laughs> people running around, but within like an hour and a half to two hours, it's mostly just a core group of people hanging around watching a movie. Yep. Yeah. You know, while someone is, people are upstairs fucking and maybe there's still like one guy just like going through your dad's liquor cabinet, trying to drink everything, but it, it starts out big and settles down so quickly. Hmm. That's how most high school parties really are. Because otherwise, the cops show up. I mean, yeah, the ones yep. that aren't Dewey. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love the. I love it. Whatever Dewey's like, hey, you can't drink that. You're underage. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Have a good time. <laughs> uh, it's so dumb. Because it's like it kind of, and it also like gets at the idea that this is like a fairly small town for the most part, and it's like everybody knows everybody, and yeah. he's the town sheriff. But he's like, yeah, they're just hanging out. There's a curfew, you know, they're just, they're just kids like having a good time and I'm here to supervise them. Yeah. It's, it's a fairly, it seems to me like it's a fairly well to do town where mm-hmm. crime is not much of an issue other than this one murder that happened last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to, unless you're a like, Prescott, <clears throat> then it's a good murder. Town. Do what? I said, unless you're a Prescott, then it's a good town. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The only other thing that I kind of wish we had talked about a little bit more is I'm I'm really fascinated by the way this movie, you know, kind of talks about like the way that movies have kind of warped the reality of the killers and this idea that movies create violence or inspire violence in real life because the, you know the movie kind of gets at that in some interesting ways and there's also some really interesting like kind of real life connections to that like this movie had to be submitted to the MPAA eight different times because it kept getting an NC-17 to, due to the violence, which is pretty interesting because, like, the movie is not... Like, even if you, like, watch the uncut version, like, compared to the kind of shit that you could see on network television today, it's really pretty tame. Um, and even, like, compared to movies in the... eight, Like, slasher movies in the 80s, like, the violence is not overly graphic compared to that, but it is, like... The thing that the MPAA had a problem with was that the the movie was just so intense and that it involved teenagers and that it was very imitatable. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty interesting because like like Wes Craven talks in the commentary about how the MPAA was like, yeah, this is actually a really good movie you have here, but it's also an NC-17 because, you know, we don't want kids to do the things that are done in this movie. We don't want them to get any ideas. And it's like... It's like they're missing the whole point. It's like, yeah, the movie is trying to say that, like, 
you know, this isn't something that like is going to create killers. It's just like it's trying. I don't know. It's just it's trying to make a point about violence in media and how like it can affect you to a certain degree, but also within context, it's it can be a cathartic experience you know like it is Which a way is for us part to of why deal I, with our real life fears well and that's part of why <clears throat> i am so so curious as to what an oliver stone produced uh version of scream would have been like oh yeah because he was the one who was in the bidding war with the weinsteins over the script because I feel he was, like it would have been terrible because he was in like you know a not uh necessarily trouble but because uh, it feels like he covered all this he, ground in Natural Born Killers well, like, that's already, the which thing I don't know if he was going to direct it or produce it or whatever. He, but. Not just Natural Born Killers, but like the <clears> fallout <throat> from Natural Born Killers, where killers started a very specific case of uh, of a couple of teens like directly saying, <clears throat> we were inspired by Natural Born Killers to go out and yeah. kill these people. And Well, and to be fair, there were like multiple instances of kids who killed people who said they were inspired by scream i mean that happened a few different times yeah and, this and movie again, was sho- i read that this movie was shown to a senate committee in a hearing related to columbine to show like you know media that's targeted at teenagers and again billy Shows is like the thing. prime incel character like the things that he was saying are the things that like school shooters have said in terms of like oh you wouldn't have sex with me so therefore i'm going to kill everyone around you it's like that well also showing off how smart and knowledgeable i am of horror movies beforehand yeah it's i i can understand i can understand the critiques of that and it man that that is an entire other that's an entire other series of podcasts just digging into what is the role of um, of movies and the impact of movies and censorship and whether or not it mm. should be censored from like a legal standpoint and a an ethical well, and, standpoint and, and like there's here's the thing tons of that stuff to discuss. You know what I just realized is we can get into this in a later episode because we're covering three more screen movies. Hey, yes, yep. we are. We need to wrap this one up because we've been talking for a while. And yeah. Honestly, I'm losing steam. <laughs> Great movie. Is, also, uh, just one last tired. real life incident that I thought was interesting is there was a they were supposed to film at Santa Rosa High School, but apparently, like, yeah, the people in the community kind of freaked out over the idea of filming a serial killer movie in a high school, and it led to like a three hour town hall where the entire town, like thousand a thousand people, were in there like debating whether or not this movie should be allowed to film there you know, because of how it would represent the community and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, just a lot of, it's, it's interesting to see like how this movie is like talking about things that it then also like inspired reactions to in real life, even before the movie was released. Yep. So yeah, good movie. It's, it is by and large a great movie, which brings me to my closing point of by and large, this is a great movie and I do love it. I think that I love it. Love it. Uh, well, I, 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 I think, think that I love it because you think therefore you are. Therefore I think therefore I are. And and this movie is incredibly rewatchable. Like I, if it weren't for the fact that I'm so exhausted right now, I would want to rewatch this with the commentary on. I want to watch uh, that still screaming documentary. Like I want to watch more about scream. I'm looking forward to doing the next uh, three movies in the series. I, 
I love asterisk scream. I really, really do. Are you going to add a heart to your letterbox now, Nathan? Yes. Uh, but I'm, I'm also, I'm also, my job is done here, but I'm also still keeping that asterisk of the things that bug me still bug me. The, the the excessive references in movies. I can accept that because so much of it is done so well. The use of music to convey the same thing is done. Well, the dichotomy between Billy and, uh, and Randy. Randy is done so well. The dichotomy of how movies impact between Billy and Stu is done so well. So many of those things that when people talk about Scream with its meta and deconstruction is done so well. To me, it goes too far. So you know how sometimes I make a dumb joke and then I over explain the joke and to me, that's funny. Like the over explanation uh-huh. of the joke is part of what brings uh, amusement to me. Mm-hmm. But I am fully aware of the fact it's not funny. It's only funny to me. That's how I kind of feel about Scream sometimes is, yeah, you did it. You nailed it. It's great. And and then you kept explaining it. You kept making sure that all of the people who are watching it have no question that horror movies really exist. <sighs> Trim about like 20% of that back. And then I wouldn't have much to complain about. It's I feel like that's how pe- that's what probably what people say about this podcast too. Like, yeah, just trim like twenty percent of that content back, and you got a good. Show. I would not disagree. We definitely overanalyze everything. Uh, so yeah, it it is a great movie. I love Scream. I wish that some of the good, references were trimmed back <laughs> just enough. Yes, but I'm also the one editing the podcast, so you can't edit it out to where there's not <laughs> the addendum after. I love it. Uh, I, I I just wish that some of the stuff was trimmed back. A little bit and I would have less to complain about it is so much better than so many other 90s slashers but at the same time kind of feels like so similar to so many other 90s slashers and it's because all those slashers were trying to be scream it's fine it's fine <laughs> also some of them were also literally written by Kevin Williamson so and it's just it, it, it's easy it's easy for it to get lost uh, especially watching it you know 25 years later within the context of so many other movies that were influenced by it. In my opinion, movies that were done better because of it, Ooh. they wouldn't exist because there, they wouldn't exist were it not for scream, but I still think other movies do it better. Uh, it's interesting. I feel like it's, 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 and maybe it's my nostalgia, but like, that's the one thing that I, I think is often the case with a lot of movies that are, you know, so iconic and they have they have so many imitators where like the you watch those movies first then you go back and watch like the progenitor of it and you're like oh yeah it's like i like the you know it's it, kind of like with zombie movies and stuff like they're the walking dead and all that other stuff have done it so much that when you go back and watch certain zombie movies that are classics you're like oh okay i've seen this stuff before that's and, true but my rebuttal to that is uh, i don't Bob- feel that way with scream well my, my my rebuttal to that general comment though is Bob Clark's Black Christmas. I did not see that until you know j- only a few years ago. So I, at that point, I had seen tons of slasher movies. When I watch Black Christmas, even though it was like the proto slasher, and so many movies were were influenced by it. I mean, you know, Halloween was influenced a ton by it. Like mm-hmm. Scream was influenced by it with the the stuff over the phone and like even watching oh, it after the fact 
Black Christmas to me still hits with just like, oh my God, this movie is amazing. Black Christmas is so good that like it kind of makes me mad that it's not celebrated more. That like as much as I think Halloween is a perfect movie, there's a part of me that's like Black Christmas is also a perfect movie. Oh, and absolutely, it's weird it that Halloween gets all the credit when Black Christmas did it many years before. I I have said this a number of times, and since we're not that far removed from Christmas, I still think that it's relevant. Um, I want Shutter to start doing on Christmas Eve a 24 hour black Christmas marathon in the same way that TBS does the 24 hour Christmas story marathon. Yeah. That'd Perfect. be awesome. The, Perfect. the fact that they have not done that yet kind of bugs me. So, uh, it's like, it's, listening it's right to this, there. I, it's just, it, it is right there. Like, come right on. There. <laughs> Maybe <sighs> they do. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really watch the shutter TV stuff. I usually just do the on demand. I love that shutter has like an actual TV channel where they program stuff. Oh yeah, I love the fact that it's like I want to watch something. I don't know what Shutter just whatever's live. Uh, I, I think Bloody uh, Bloody Disgusting also has that on the uh, Roku channel. I think can't remember if it's them or not. Uh, anywho, we need to wrap things up because we've been talking far too long. It's kind of crazy because I'm usually long. like totally dead inside after midnight when we're recording but i'm still like so fucking jazzed about this movie god i love it <laughs> anyway I, I don't want to keep you you gentlemen up too much later though so oh no it's, yeah. it's hold that enthusiasm for scream 2 where it's gonna need it hold that enthusiasm for scream 3 where it <laughs> needs some of the splash of enthusiasm to carry it because it's not it's not good i'm 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 not going to argue that scream 3 is good i've never argued that it's a good movie I am mm. going to argue that it is a fun movie that leans so far into the internal logic of they're making a movie and the killer is doing the things in the script of the movie that it's just like, yeah, it's okay. I, I don't care about some of the other dumb stuff. Yeah. And then faxes script pages to someone who then acts out those things that are exactly on the page, even though the person could have no way of knowing that that person would. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this. Again, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's so good. Bad. Not saying it's good saying it does not deserve the hate the the ending the ending sure you can throw as much hate as you want at the reveal at the end i i will not disagree with that whatsoever Uh, so bad so who do we recommend this movie for guys anyone who has seen a horror movie (laughs) anyone who has seen a 90s movie hmm i recommend this movie for people who love horror movies and also people who hate horror movies I do not recommend it for people who hate horror movies. I genuinely think that this is a great gateway horror movie, which is, is su- it's such a remarkable accomplishment to me. Like, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with amazing. it being a gateway horror. I just don't think that people who hate horror movies are going to be turned around by this. Maybe if you're apathetic about horror. I mean, like Dan said, like the fact that he witnessed those conversions in real time, is the mo is is just amazing and miraculous to me like that is the power of great cinema and great horror and and yeah i mean i know it's you know it's it's scream obviously everybody talks about it and everybody loves it but it's the it's the one almost it's everybody. one of those horror movies that i think just it it holds up to the hype i mean it really does it it, it deserves almost. its place in the horror canon and the lexicon of great horror movies it's just i think it's perfect and i adore it and almost perfect it's to me 
almost uh, two years. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I recommend Scream for. Uh, okay, first off, I don't know who hasn't seen Scream yet. In turn, and that's not a. If you haven't seen Scream yet, you're not a true horror fan. That's not how I mean it at all whatsoever. No, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. Yeah, like it is much like Jaws. Scream was very much a movie that was a mainstream movie that happened to be horror rather than a horror movie. It's yeah. It's a like, despite how brutal and like horrifying it is, it's a crowd pleaser. I mean, it really is like people were talking about scream who just like watched movies, you know, like you you didn't have the diehard Freddy. This was also a Christmas movie, by the way, they released this movie at Christmas time in 1996 and it still became one of the biggest movies of all time. Like that's yeah, because it was, it had slow growth. It wasn't like out of the, it was word of mouth. It got bigger each week for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, there probably are not that many people who have not yet seen scream again, because of how long ago it came out, but also how recently it came out because of the fact that again, like jaws, it is a, a very mainstream movie that just happens to be horror and because so many horror people like this is held on such high esteem of like oh my god scream is like one of the best horror movies of all time i'm not there yet Hmm. i want to be i'm not i think that it is a great horror movie that is done incredibly well with just enough things to bug me to where i have to keep adding those caveats uh, yeah, I, I recommend it for for anyone. It's anyone who likes horror movies or is curious about horror movies, who is old enough to be able to handle a horror movie. Scream is good. Uh, it's, oh shit! Yes, I just remember one thing. I have to mention. I'm sorry. I like it's super quick. I can't believe I didn't mention this sooner. Uh, this movie has the scariest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, and I and I'm not like like I think the scariest thing I've ever seen in a movie is uh the end of the opening sequence um whenever uh, Drew Barrymore's parents show up mm-hmm. um the kind of like the cherry on the top of that like horrifying just brutal opening scene is the fact that uh, her mother tries to call the police and because it's the 90s you know you have two phones in the house but they're on the same line so she tries to call the police and she hears her daughter dying yeah. over the phone. That is that to me is, I think, the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in a movie. And as a parent, like, you know, it never really stuck out to me before. But these last two times I've watched it after being a parent, I think that is the scariest thing in the world. Yep. That is just absolutely horrifying. <clears throat> yeah. And and again, like that plays back just into the, the sound design. That and I did too that she's hung by her by a swing set. Like emphasizing the fact that this is still a child. Uh it's just it's so good. Like the the way this movie examines like the loss of innocence and in teens and how these are all just kids is is also really smart and done in a way that's not like laying it on super thick. Anyway, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Good yep. movie. I, I, I don't disagree Sorry. with any of that. It's it's great. Scream is a great movie. <clears throat> it's it's great. I love it. There, I said it. Still got caveats, but Good. fine. Whatever. I'm, I'm too tired to argue anymore. My heart. Sure. <laughs> it is a solid three. 
<laughs> out of three? <laughs> out of good. Okay. Out of five. It's it's, it's fine. Oh man, it's fine. Good episode, guys. This is great. I love screen. Oh man, I'm so fu- I'm so I'm so. There's three more of these movies we get to talk about. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like this is Christmas has come late. <laughs> Or early, depending on how you look at it. I mean, our Christmas episodes, if you're listening to us live, still have not been posted. They're, still, so. they're literally, they're literally yeah. going to be late. All right. Uh, Dan, I feel like we should let you go. I know you got so <laughs> you got to get up early tomorrow. You got to work. I got school bright and early, but you know. I know, I know. Hey, Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me at my website, hbotofrontrow.com, and on Twitter, at hbotofrontrow. And Eric, where can the, you, you scream your thoughts? See what I did there? Yeah, I like to I like to scream into the uh, the void of Twitter at uh, the Chimerican T H E C H I M E R I C A N, and I have uh, sort of vowed to try and be a little bit more uh, active on social media this year, uh, at the very least to you know do more to promote this podcast so people will listen to it because you know I feel like it's a pretty good podcast. That's right. Um, you can also uh, see pictures that I post <laughs> on Instagram at uh, Chimerican Reviews. And uh, you can see what I've been watching on Letterboxd at Eric J-A-Y. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, be sure to keep coming back as we continue our Scream in the New Year series where we talk about lesser Scream movies. And we're just going to go downhill. I've not seen the fourth one yet. I hope that uh, by going downhill from here on out, that it's just launching us up into the ramp of four. But Ooh, we'll that's a good way to see. Go I, I really like four. I think it's I've only seen four once, and it was right when it came out. So it'll be interesting to see. And I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it. Same for me. I remember being surprised by how much I liked it because I thought it would be bad well i mean you know coming off a of three sure uh well i actually saw three I, I i have it sitting right there and i'm gonna watch it not now because i still have to watch two i still have to find three uh but yeah keep coming, back. <laughs> keep coming back as we continue our scream of the new year series uh just like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you uh you know enjoyed all of this rambling for two and a half hours at this point uh might be trimmed down i don't know if you've enjoyed all of our rambling at this point and want even more of that be sure to join us live as we record these episodes live through discord the link for that is posted in facebook um and uh yeah they they are live and unedited every tuesday night at nine usually Sometimes they're rescheduled. Sometimes they're pushed back because we have to actually get our kids to bed. But, you know, roughly Tuesday nights at nine on Discord, you can listen to video monsters, dive into movies, and uh, and, and you can join in the chat. You, you can text us things and we can talk about it because that's a thing that we've done before. <laughs> with people who have okay listened. There. I'm so <laughs> tired, guys. <laughs> Are you short-circuiting over there? I, 100% he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so follow us. Uh, like, subscribe, tell your friends, leave those reviews, and join <laughs> us on Discord. Leave those good reviews. Like, uh, follow Brain Broken. Join us in the Discord server to listen to us, words at you, 
with energy or with exhaustion. Either way, it's fun. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. Sweet Jesus, I'm tired. I'm Dan. Uh, no, wait, oh, wait. Oh. Uh, and uh, I'm Eric. I like scary movies. Good night, everybody. There's three more of these movies we get to talk about. Are you f***ing kidding me right now? Like, this is... Christmas has come late.